is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I hope you had a great weekend, at least up until last night. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson, Michael Remus with you for the next couple hours. Lots to uh, dissect from a very, very busy weekend for the Winnipeg Jets, which started off well and ended with a thud last night in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, We uh, are going to have Jeff Hamilton jump on the program a little later on. Hammer, of course, was on the road with the Jets in Nashville and St. Louis. Really looking forward to having Hammer back on the program. And in a somewhat ironic twist... Many of you will recall Rabbi Matt Libel's appearance on the show in the middle of January when the team was in first place in the Western Conference and he was oozing skepticism about the hockey club, where they were at right now and what this team was really capable of. And unfortunately, almost exactly two months later, the rabbi was right. and uh, But we will see. Maybe he can reverse the curse when he comes on with us later on today. Matt Libel coming up in about half an hour. We want lots of audio to hear from members of the Winnipeg Jets, especially head coach Rick Bonus coming out of the weekend. And Remo and I will uh, have our thoughts right off the top on um, the performance last night and their playoff predicament heading into tonight's action in the National Hockey League. Just before we do that, welcome to everyone watching on YouTube. Or if you're joining us later, great that you found Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure to hit that red subscribe button. We're live daily at 1 o'clock Central. And um, if you're finding us on YouTube or a regular YouTube listener, don't forget you can also get the podcast and the audio version of the program just in time for your ride home if you are working a regular 9 to 5, usually up around 3.30 in the afternoon, wherever you get your favorite podcast, just type in Winnipeg Sports Talk and hit that subscribe button and a special shout out to the podcast listeners making us a part of your day a little later on from the live show. Uh, Of course, the other people we have to thank the people that make this show happen each and every day. Thanks so much to our incredible group of sponsors, including Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Manitoba Battery, F Apparel, Consolidated Supply, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Little Brown Jug, and of course our friends over at Canadian Club. Let's get uh, let's get to it and get Remus in here. Remo, first off, how was your weekend outside of last night's hockey game? Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed Saturday's game. Uh, that was uh, quite the, you called it a white knuckle ride. That was quite the ride, Saturday's game. Um, I don't know, got, watched a lot of the basketball. Uh, WBC is on as well. I'm disappointed we won't be able to talk about that for a couple hours here. Hey, but, if you want, we could just do the first half hour on the WBC, maybe some women's curling, some March yeah. Madness. <laughs> a lot, uh, a lot I guess going we're going to have to talk about the Jets at some point, and no, we won't wait that long to do it. But um, yeah, there were a lot of other great sports. Uh, XFL. Weekend. Uh, XFL, great weekend at the uh, Valspar. We got the match play starting. By the way, <clears throat> for those of you that were asking me about the lock shop, Yes, Dusty was at Disneyland last week with his kids, so we uh, didn't have our regular schedule, but we're back. We just did a uh, NHL episode for tonight, talking about the five games on the uh, slate, and tomorrow 
We'll do our golf episode because this is the match play tournament this week, which gets going on Wednesday. So uh, put in Lock Shop Bets in YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and uh, join us. Usually noon central right around there. Dusty and I will go live and we'll do a show tomorrow. Usually our golf show is on Wednesday, but just a big heads up. But anyways, let's get to it, Remo. I mean, I, I, I'd said Friday. I was in a real good mood. It was St. Patrick's Day. We had a great show. Went out, had a little bit of fun. Got it together for the 1 p.m. start in the afternoon. And, um, you know, like the way the Winnipeg Jets played, like the way they battled, love the way they came back again from a second one-goal deficit with Adam Lowry doing exactly what Rick Bonus had been telling this team to do. Get in front of the net. Go to the net. Get pucks on net and good things will happen and that is exactly what did happen as the Jets battled back from one goal deficits twice and then one in overtime. The much maligned Neil Pionk of all people getting the OT winner from Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, you know, optimists would have said this was a massive win for the Jets. The way they battled back and got it done has to bode well going forward. Um I joked to the, my pals that I was watching the game with last night at the beginning that I hoped that Rick Bonus had just put a clip of Adam Lowry's goal against the Nashville Predators being in front of the net, banging in that rebound, where he was, how that goal happened on repeat in the dressing room for the hockey club going into the game against St. Louis. Uh, little did I know how funny that would be afterwards because the Winnipeg Jets had a bunch of shots. They did not make it at all. All difficult for Joel Hoffer, the Winnipeg native, to see it in one of his first, I believe his second NHL start. Um, and the Winnipeg Jets could not muster much up and really not a lot of response as the game went on. Uh, it went from bad to worse. They um, they leave St. Louis being shut out. And um, maybe the most memorable part of that entire game was Nikolai Ehlers taking things in his own hands probably foolishly in some ways, but you have to respect the fight that he showed in stepping up and fighting Braden Shen, which did not go well for the Dane. Um, and maybe the most disappointing part of the entire game yesterday, and we've talked a lot about the emotional makeup of this hockey club, Remo, was the absolute lack of an answer whatsoever by the Winnipeg Jets in the third period after that had happened. I really thought that we were going to... Well, I really thought that we should have seen... <clears throat> an energized Jets team come out and try and, you know, rise to the occasion after, you know, one of their smallest and most skilled players took a beating like that, trying to show some level of energy and emotion in the game. Uh, that didn't happen. And uh, as we'll hear in a minute from Rick Bonus, I mean, not a lot of theories as to why this team could have been, you know, as flat as they were for the majority of the game, despite a pretty good first four to five minutes. Um, but you get one in, on a basically an easy backdoor tap-in on Connor Hellebuck, which you really can't fault the goaltender for. Um, and then they didn't have much after that. Um, first line, completely AWOL last night. Mark Shifley, zero shots on goal. Kyle Connor two, but both in the final minute of the game or whatever, last couple minutes when the uh, goalie was pulled. Not a lot of answers right now, but this team is certainly not being uh, led by their leaders right now and um i know the standings look okay right now calgary's playing tonight and uh we'll go down this calgary schedule as well as the winnipeg schedule before uh before the end of the way and uh 
this is uh, this is condition critical for the Winnipeg Jets right now, and uh, I would like to say, to use a medical uh, uh, term, uh, the pulse didn't seem to be very healthy last night of this hockey club. Yeah, it reminds me of another performance they had in a must-win game. Well, I don't know if it was must-win last night technically, but game six against the Blues in the 2019 playoffs. Sorry to, sorry to bring it up, Hustler. I know I love poking at these uh, wounds. That, I think that is one of, my, one of my worst memories ever. For the Buffs joke. last game is a Winnipeg Jet. And, yes. uh, at least, I mean, the one thing about that game was that they were outclassed the entire game. They were uh, heavily, heavily outshot. And I know sometimes we dig into analytics and we look at numbers. And, I mean, if you look at last night's game, as far as the shots on goal, the Jets only gave up 17. They had 33. You think that, oh, well, I mean, they completely controlled this game. They dominated it, and maybe they got goalied again. Well, that's old news. I mean, this happens all the time with the Winnipeg Jets. Of those 33 shots, I don't know how many were legitimate high-quality scoring chances, and I don't know how many were really from the slot. It seemed like the Jets got back to their old perimeter ways were being out-muscled by the St. Louis Blues and did not match any of the fight. And frankly, St. Louis looked like the pissed-off team last night. That's the team that was playing like they were embarrassed by the season that they'd had right now. And the Jets just didn't have an answer. And it's just so disappointing to see them play the way they did last night after a pretty gutsy comeback win where they played hard and played well for the majority of the 60 minutes against the Preds. Yeah, a lot of you know some of the familiar trends popping up over the weekend. Uh, allowing the first goal. That's five straight games they've allowed the first goal. And it was um, nine of the last 10. You know, not only allowing the first goal, but allowing the first goal in the first five minutes. And we talked about this on Friday. I know Dan Robertson mentioned that on the broadcast. You know, yesterday, the Blues scoring four minutes in. And on Saturday, it was 526. Funny how the, uh, another Winnipegger, Cody Glass, getting the first goal. So if the Jets go up against a Winnipeg player, like, you know, Pick score DraftKings. Flashbacks to Ryan Reeves in the Western Conference Final. Anyways, uh, the power play. I think the power play just continues to be a power outage. I don't think killing that, this uh, team. It's, it's killing pretty. Them. It's killing. And when they need a big goal, like yesterday, when you have a four-minute double minor and you get two shots, or Saturday when you have big power plays and you go over four, um, it's just killing them. And uh, here are the power play numbers. What is it? Uh, one for 15 in the last five games, three for 27 in the last eight. And it goes back even longer. And you look at losses, you know, we pointed out the, the Columbus one where they had, what, seven opportunities and yeah, couldn't three score. five on threes. And like it's just going back. And they put Ehlers mm. there trying to get something. I think you should keep him on there. But I don't know. And what fancy play syndrome, especially on Saturday, we've got a three on one and you can't even get a shot on goal and it's just the same frustrating stuff drop passes to nobody on zone entries you know turnovers and the jets are making a mistake and it goes back in the back of the net it's just the same thing over and over again it's kind of kind of crazy and you know shout out to the shout out to them for finally figuring it out and saturday and winning in overtime nice to see pierre luc dubois return take it down the ice and find neil pionk but i mean to come again yesterday and add joel hofer's name the list of goalies in the last 10 games. Uh, we got James Reimer, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Joel Hofer, Jeremy Swayman, uh, the goalies that the Jets have made uh, look awesome by, you know, shoot, keeping the shots to the outside that aren't screened. It's tough to score on those. And 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot, and I'm going to the buffet a little here and all over the place, but, and shout out to Ehlers as well. You know, got, I thought that was a BS cross check from Shen and he wanted to step up for himself. Took a bit of a beating, but got, where got to respect everybody it. else. Where got was everybody it. else? Both at that moment and afterwards. I mean, I've been watching some of these games out in the East and the Tampa Bay Lightning are getting in. I mean, big rouse. I mean, look, I'm not sitting here saying you got to fight every second shift, but I mean, you got to show a little bit of life and you have to match up that intensity of your opponents as a team. And Rick Bonus has said, you take a run at one of us, you take a run at all of us. Well, that <laughs> uh, there was absolutely no evidence of a team playing that way last night. And it was really, really disappointed. Um, you mentioned Joel Hofer. I have to laugh. Uh, Avco Cup on Twitter, who I enjoy. He's got some really good analytic numbers and some interesting stuff focusing on the Jets. Does a great job with the Moose and whatnot. He tweeted out, I was just going over to the to meet up with the guys to watch the game, and I was checking my <laughs> checking my uh, feed, and he tweeted out, the Jets are going to make Ho-. It was basically just a, a tweet that was announcing that Hofer was getting the start, and it said, Jets going to make Hofer look like the second coming of George Vesna. And oh. I laughed at the minute. I'm like, oh, Avco taking a shot at the Jets. And then I thought about it. I'm like, can you blame a Jet fan for thinking that that might happen and then lo and behold that is exactly what happened and frankly he didn't even need to look like George Vesna I mean I can't think of a bunch of five bell saves where Joel Holfer absolutely robbed the Winnipeg Jets kind of made it easy on him and uh you can't be doing that in the predicament that the Jets are in right now with less than a dozen games left in the season. Um, disappointing on so many levels, Reem. We can talk about the lack of response physically from the team. You can talk about what Nikolai Ehlers felt that he had to do to try to get his team going. I mean, listen, I listened to the post-game shows last night. Mark Scheifele was getting absolutely killed by um, most of people commenting on the game last night. And... Listen, rightly so. Um, you, you can't have your best players in witness protection program um, with your season on the line when they're the ones that you really need to be pulling forward. Listen, I know we're going to get to comments about, well, this is just the, the same old core, um, which probably true for the most part. Um, and maybe we got hoodwinked by that great start in the first few months of the season right now. Um, but last night was an example of this team reverting to the worst that we've seen of the Winnipeg Jets, despite what the shot clock will tell you. Um, the scoreboard, Ted, told you a lot more right now. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting week. Um, Arizona tomorrow, then the Ducks on Thursday. And Remo, these are two games that I... I, I, I I know this is a stretch to say, but I mean, we're talking about 11 games left in the season. Uh, The Winnipeg Jets have to win these games. They probably need a little bit of help from the teams playing the Calgary Flames. Flames are in L.A. tonight to take on the uh, take on the the, the Kings. But I mean, to me, this, this next 10 days is so crucial for the Winnipeg Jets, because when you look at what Calgary finishes their season with, these are Calgary's last seven games of the year. Vancouver, Anaheim, Chicago, the game here in Winnipeg, and then Vancouver, Nashville, who knows what's left of them by now. They got pumped seven zip or whatever on the weekend, and then the San Jose Sharks. So uh, the Jets need to make a lead right now and have a cushion because 
Calgary's finishing with some very, very winnable games. And Calgary's still fighting. Uh, you know, they've left a couple points on the table in overtime, which they did again against the Dallas Stars on Saturday night. Um, but they're scoring goals. They're in these games. I mean, there's lots of issues with that team, too. But they're at least showing a heck of a lot more life than the Winnipeg Jets have at times over the course of the last little while. And as we'll talk about with Matt, this is something that goes all the way back to um, really the middle of January when Matt joined us uh, on the program and uh, was uh, in some ways looked ahead and was quite the crystal ball bearer on the program. Um, listen, we're going to get to some of these quotes and some comments from uh, from the game on the weekend. Let me just quickly, before we do that, shout out our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Folks, if you're uh, in the need of a battery for your car, your truck, or even that summer toy you're working on this winter to get ready for spring and summer, Manitoba uh, Battery wants you to know that they're the most convenient and well-priced option in the city. You can put in your order for a battery at lunchtime or around the beginning of Winnipeg Sports Talk and have it sitting on your doorstop in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in the city on the same battery. It's that simple. Uh, no more waiting for a parking spot or trying to find one at Costco. No more waiting in line at Canadian Tire. No more spending money on battery in a big box stores and wasting the gas to get it. Let Manitoba Battery to bring it to you at the best price in town. And you can shop local while you spend time on more important things. Order online at manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 783-8787. It's that simple. Or you can always pop by and see Donnie and his great staff at 1026 Logan Avenue. Um, shout out to our pals over at Consolidated Supply who are ready for this damn snow to melt. Uh, of course, Consolidated Supply has been the leader in irrigation and artificial services for golf courses, not to mention the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba, uh, but they can also do it for you on your property. If you're thinking about an irrigation project or potentially maybe putting in some artificial turf, that dream putting green in the backyard, they can hook you up. And while you're thinking about that backyard, talk to them about hot tubs, spas, and amazing outdoor kitchen options as well. Not to mention small engine parts and repair. It's all there. 1395 Niagara Road East. They are open to the public. And you can uh, also check them out online with everything that Consolidated Supply has going on over at cte.ca. And hey, don't forget, folks, we're still welcoming in nominations for the March Unsung Hero with our friends at Wallace & Wallace. Tell us about that unsung hero in your community doing incredible work, volunteering, charity work, or being that go-to person for neighbors and people in need. Send us an email and tell us about them at unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We will have an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey for the month's unsung hero. And meanwhile, Wallace and Wallace will make a $500 donation in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who nominated the unsung hero. And Josh and Margot Morrissey will match that as well. Again, unsung hero submissions open now, unsung hero at winnipegsportstalk.com. And just before we get to these clips, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too, Vita Health Fresh Market is the place to go with seven Winnipeg locations or online at myvita.ca. With spring allegedly just around the corner, guys, get ready for it with Ultimate Male Energy, formulated specifically for men over 35. Ultimate Male Energy is designed to help improve testosterone production, reduce excess body fat, 
build muscle tissue, maintain prostate health, and more. And it's on sale today at Vita Health. And uh, don't forget, if you can't make it down to any of the seven Vita Health stores, visit their website to buy online. Local delivery now available. Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right, uh, Remo, before we get to last night's game, I do want to get a couple clips coming out of Saturday's game because there was some good and there were also some concerning. Uh, start off with just Bones with his thoughts on the win in Nashville. Uh, that would be clip number 11 if you can. Yeah, it was a great feeling. But we, we played well enough to win that in regulation, but they gave their goaltender another goalie. We were, uh, we're making it look pretty good. He was outstanding. But we were very happy with our overall game, uh, team game for 60 minutes. We were very confident that we just keep doing what we were doing. Uh, the forecheck was working. We had some good looks off the rush. So finally the puck went in. It was a great shot by Nick, and uh, we went from there. All right, so uh, I'm pretty pleased, Rick Bonus, with the way that his team played, the way that they battled, um, and the way they did some of the things that he had been preaching, including putting pucks on net and going to the net and being in the dirty areas where often goals are scored at this time of year. And um, Bones did talk about Adam Lowry's goal, that crucial game-tying well, yeah, goal to put the game into OT, the game, being the way that they talk- need to score goals. This is what Bones had to say about Lowry's goal on Saturday. Well, yeah, we talked about getting greasy goals before the game, and we talked about competing every shift and uh, taking, willing to take hits to make a play, uh, willing to give hits, willing to block shots, whatever it took, and our guys did that today. So, uh, and Adam was rewarded. Look, he's done an awful lot of great things for this team, and uh, on penalty kill and a lot of other areas. So, it's nice to see him finally get rewarded with a big goal. So there was uh, bones on that goal. The one that I mentioned maybe could be some sort of a blueprint for what they needed to do. We didn't see any of that yesterday. But one other um, comment from bones, which I think is key going into Sunday's game, as well as the bigger picture of the Winnipeg Jets, is the power play. And this is from Saturday afternoon, bones on another night of ineffective um, action with the man advantage. The million dollar question right now. Uh, we, we moved some guys around at the end. Um, again, I, I just, we, we just don't shoot the puck enough. We really don't. Uh, either they're doing a great job blocking shots or we're, we're too hesitant to shoot. Um, it's, and it starts with that. It, we, we've got to get, it's as simple as that really, is get more of a shooting mentality. All right, more of a shooting mentality. Um and it did re- it did kind of predicate um, some moves to that power play, including Nikolai Ehlers coming on. And I thought at the start, actually, that looked like a pretty good move. Um, I've been wanting to see some sort of a change. I mean, I think, listen, when you're one of the worst power plays in the league for the better part of two months, something's got to give. Um, and it was time to get Nikolai Ehlers. And as you mentioned, I would like to see him stay on that um, because, I mean, the, the results aren't getting any worse. That being said, last night when Tory Krug lost his mind on Kevin Stenland, and Stenland very wisely didn't do anything, allowed them to take a double minor, um, that was the perfect example of a momentum-killing power play. One of the worst four minutes you'll see of an NHL team with a man advantage in a long time. And that, if anything, maybe set the tone for the rest of the game. 
Yeah, two shots on a four-minute power play. I mean, you should be scoring. I mean, they should be scoring more than they are. And I keep seeing people in chat saying their power play since what mid-January has been among the worst in the league, which I don't have those numbers. But I do know that the Jets, since January 17, last time at Libelon, have the sixth worth sixth worst points percentage in the league. And yeah, that they need the power play to come bail them out at times when you give up a goal early. You get a four-minute power play. You got to score. And I do like putting Ehlers there. You know, so many times, power play one has been trotted out over and over again. They haven't scored. And they're also you know, having difficulty getting possession. Like, they're dumping the puck in. Why are you giving up possession? You have one of the best zone entry guys in the league in Ehlers. Put him on power play one. Use him to gain the zone. And, you know, he just wouldn't get the power play time. Now they would pass it around, Huston, like, it would look good. Like, oh, they had a lot of possession, but they would just never shoot, and you can't score if you don't shoot. So um, it's just been over and over the same thing here with this power play, and he said overpassing on Saturday, and that's just kind of what it's been the last you know two months here with the Jets. Yeah, um, so let's hear Bones in a very different mood after yesterday's game. Um, we'll start at the top, and um, you know Bones met the media afterwards and uh, talked about another shutout loss, this time to a team that's already making tea times, the St. Louis Blues. Well, we came out of the gate great. Uh, had the four-check going, we hit the crossbar on a tip. We were jamming the net, we were doing all the things we had talked about, um, and they go down and score. <laughs> and uh, we didn't handle that very well from, the, from that point. Um, and then when we we did have some excuse me some opportunities we didn't capitalize on them. Um, yeah, they're a big defense. They're all those guys are big and strong, and we had a tough time battling through them. Um, the Jets have also haven't been doing themselves any favors earlier on in the game. That's five straight games where they've given up the first goal, often early in the first five minutes, and nine of the last ten. Rick Bonus. Uh, commented on uh, the team's lack of um, starting off with the lead at any point over the last little while. So again, like we came out of the gates great. I mean, we couldn't ask for a better start, and all of a sudden we're down one nothing because we make a mistake and it's in the back of the net. That's just the way things are going. We went through this earlier in the year, and then we went through a stretch where we were scoring the first goal. So we'll get, we'll get that back. Not a lot of time to get a lot of things back right now for the Winnipeg Jets with just 11 games left on the season. Um, but for me, and this went with the uh, aftermath of Ehlers getting in that fight, also just you know the play of the game considering how crucial and important that game was supposed to be. We've heard about urgency. We've heard about this team should be desperate. We know where they are right now with teams chasing them down in the playoff race. Um, where is the intensity of this hockey club? Bones was asked that after the game. I mean, it's there. The guys are trying. They are. I mean, they want to be, listen, as we talked after, like, we want to enjoy this. It's uh, We're in a playoff race. We're in a playoff hunt. So, listen, we have to work for it. We have to, we also have to enjoy it. But with that, you have to be, be prepared and, be, and get engaged and uh, and stay engaged throughout the course of the game. It's like I said, we, we started off great. They scored, and then we backed off. And you, at this point, you just can't back off. But we're safe. We're, we're in a playoff spot. We're in a, we have one of the spots in the playoffs. Uh, teams have to catch us. So we, we're in control of what we're going to do next, and we have to take care of Tuesday night and go from there. 
All right, Rick Bone is some, you know, being positive and listen, I, I get it. You can probably go in a few different ways. I think maybe the time of the year to, to, to just uh, shred a team for performances like that is long before, um, not to mention this team, pretty mentally fragile. And um, that was something that uh, I think comes out in how he's handling this right now. Nevertheless, a very disappointing game for the Jets to finish off a weekend that started quite well with an important and a gutty two points when, um, you know, things weren't going well for them against a hell of a goalie in UC Soros. All right, Matt Libel's coming up, and we have to talk to Matt. Remo, do, do we want to refresh people's memories on Libel's visit with us Yes. from January 17th? And again, that was a time where we were flying high right now in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat. The team was in first place in the Western Conference. It had seemed it had completely moved on from the previous season um, and they'd been doing it for a long time with some very, very key injuries, if you'll recall. And um, we had Matt on and I'll be honest, I was a little surprised that um, Matt wasn't as giddy as many of the uh, Jet fans and certainly maybe as impressed as many of us that follow the team on a daily basis with this team that was in first place. This is how it sounded on the 17th of January as the Jets were atop the West. I'm having the hardest time with this year's team. I, I think that they're fantastic. I love watching the games, but I'm just having so much trouble believing that at the end of the year, they're going to be able to do this through the playoffs. I mean, and why? I don't know. That's unfair. Maybe that's unfair, but everyone's playing fantastic. Morrissey's having an amazing year. Hellebuck's having an amazing year. I like the role guys. I like the top guys. I mean, what's not to like, but maybe it's a Winnipeg thing maybe the last couple of years have made us untrusting maybe because it's the same players, but just a different coach that makes us untrusting. I can't be the only one. I want to be a believer. I'm having trouble being a believer. What's wrong with you? Great. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Three months in in first place. How can anyone be skeptical of this team? Well, I think we know. And Reem, just before we bring in, you've got a few comments from the chat that day. I'm sure there's some beauties oh. uh, from from that from that on the 17th of January. Yeah, I look, went back to the stream, and the chat is still there. So I went through, and I remember people being very upset with Matthew because he was being too negative. And here's people that I see here all the time. Uh, T. Will, I got to get on T. Will. I see him there. He goes, "This team is just doing this year what they should have been doing the last four years." T. Will, why do people think the Jets fluke their way to first in the West? And then T. Will also adds, I think anyone who isn't a believer yet has eaten too many gas station donuts. Uh, <laughs> Patrolman Pete, Libel has Winnipeg sports fan PTSD. It's understandable. The Barfly says, get on the bandwagon, Matt. <laughs> Waiters, first place and everyone is so negative? Uh... Wild World Canada, who I saw today, he says, Matt, you've been talking to Westwood too much. That's why. (laughs) Comment. I don't know if comments here. He's comments here every day. Uh, I don't see this group tanking the back half of the season. Uh, Rob Mahoney, Matt makes a good point. It feels like some Winnipeggers are waiting for the Jets to fail so they can say, I told you so. See it often. Uh, Red Flame 36 Bones would make sure they don't slide off the face of the map. I have confidence. And Lawrence Richard, he says, I kind of feel the same way as Matt. Don't see how they keep winning like this. And I think we all agree that they 
you know, maybe overachieved a little, but like to be first, sixth worst points percentage since that conversation, I think it's pretty clear Libel put some kind of curse on the Jets. Well, you know, and hopefully, hopefully being the man of faith that he is, maybe the ri- ri- rabbi can reverse the curse at some point. Let's uh, Let's bring him back, welcome him in to Winnipeg Sports Talk once again. Matt, Matt, uh, great to have you with us. Uh, welcome back to Winnipeg Sports Talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to show my face. <laughs> am, am I allowed to show my face? I didn't have a... Well, you I are. The takes look pretty problem. good right now. Your takes look pretty good right now. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a big enough paper bag to put over my face, Huss. I've never been introduced into a show where they played a clip of the last time that I was on. With cheese, <laughs> like... Oh, um, well, where do, you, where do you want to start this one? Because to be fair, I was on one time with Remo while you were, I think, working your way back from one of your Kansas City Chiefs parties. And I explained a little bit more my thinking behind those comments. And it was that I use the analogy of if you have a friend who is notoriously lazy, doesn't eat well, doesn't work out. But January 1st, one year comes, you know, New Year's resolutions, and he's hitting the gym hard, and he's eating right. I think it's very fair you, that I'm he's... taking this very personally right now, Libel. What the, is this, <laughs> about is this, is this really the, the example that you wanted to bring here? <laughs> feeling triggered. I, just make, I, I felt like this is very relatable, um, myself included. It's good to get into a groove. It's good to make the steps to start changing your life around. You have to do it piece by piece, right? That old joke, how do you eat an elephant bite by bite? But I think my point was that the Jets reminded me of this guy, this friend, who um, is doing all the right things to turn things around, but has years and years of past performance that you can't just forget about or pretend and I was worried they were going to revert to their old ways because they had it in them. And it was the same players virtually. And unfortunately, that has been proven to be right. I'm not here to say that I told you so. I'm just here to say I didn't curse them. I don't think this was such a hot take on January 17th. This team has literally been in that spot on January 17th before and had what we've seen the last two months happen to them in previous seasons, so I, I don't know. Are, are people are you are you really that surprised? Maybe they've been a lot worse than than I even thought that they would be. Uh, but I don't know. Are we really that surprised? I mean, I've been to a lot of the games. I watched a lot of the games. They do not look like when Colorado is in town. You see, there's a huge discrepancy in the way an elite top tier team plays and the way the Jets play. Well, the and crazy thing about this is Matt the, and and. Listen, I understood a bit of skepticism as to whether the Jets were a first place team. Are the Jets right there with the best teams in the Western Conference? Are they, I mean, you know, are they a real Stanley Cup contender? Um, you know, that, that was a discussion. I think there was still more to be done. But the fact that we're now to the final dozen games of the season and this team has gone from first place, not in the division, but in the conference and is now hanging on for dear life to the eighth spot with Calgary and Nashville nipping at their heels. Nashville not as much after this weekend. I mean, I think even for the big, even for the biggest skeptics about the Winnipeg Jets at that moment, 
um, it is somewhat stunning how far they've come off from their game and how far away they've come from everything that got them to that to that point in the first place. And I guess to your point about, you know, your analogy about the New Year's thing, I mean, sometimes old habits die hard. And uh, unfortunately, to your point, we are seeing, I mean, there is major flashbacks for a lot of people about the disappearing act of some of the most important players on this team right now um, at the most important time of the season when nothing is guaranteed, including this playoff spot that was basically all but assured when we had that conversation in January by the numbers. Yeah, I listen to you guys pretty much every day, and I think that the power play is a perfect representation of this team. There's no way that when they practice, that they're practicing the way the power play looks when we see them in a game. It's just impossible because bonus wouldn't stand for it, standing around, overpassing, yet you they get out there. The same players, even with Niederreiter thrown onto the first unit, I, I love your point about Ehlers. I, I sit there in the stands wondering why Ehlers isn't there, why they keep dumping, like you guys talked about just a few minutes ago. I, I don't understand why you give up the puck ever. But um, they get out there, and it's like, I, I don't know, do they stop thinking? Are they thinking too much? What What's going on? But there is, there's definitely a problem with this team being able to – play their game for the last several weeks. I've kind of been asking myself, what is the Winnipeg Jets game? What are they trying to do when they get out there? And a lot of times they can't accomplish it because another stunning fact, not only do they get scored on first all the time, they often get scored on first in the first couple of minutes. I heard you guys drop that stat a show or two ago that I think it was Dan had brought up right as a guest that they've given up goals in the first five minutes, five of eight games. But you're never going to be able to. You're going to be chasing, to use a Claude Noelism, all the time. You're going to be chasing the game all the time. I just don't know what this team goes out there trying to do. Because they barely beat Nashville. They looked hopeless against St. Louis. You and I saw each other and had more fun in the intermission when the Jets were playing the Sharks at home in a game that was a real snoozer. And then Schmidt scores a goal. And it's like, oh, they might actually pull this one off. Oh, no, wait, they let a goal get scored with 10 seconds left, and then they look awful in the overtime. I just, they look to me like a team or a player. Anyone who's played any level of sports knows this player or this team. They look like a team that the minute the game starts, they're trying not to lose, as opposed to going out there and trying to win, using their skills, doing the things that they do, playing their game, especially at home. They let the other team, no matter how good or how poor, St. Louis, the other team is dictate the play and they just can't. And then they'll have a, like a good effort against Boston. Good effort. They can't score. They can't score goals. Yeah. I so, mean, the, those I are the games. What. Those are the games where you need maybe your power play to help a little bit on five opportunities to get something going on. And I mean, as I said, you know, the or game, I don't want to lose sight of the game. game. Sorry. Or your goalie to steal a game. I mean, Hellebuck hasn't been terrible, but he certainly hasn't been that Vesna guy who you throw in there when things are going rough, and it's like, oh, all right, Hellebuck righted the ship uh, like he did against New York. Remember that game they were on the road against New York? That that, that was like a Vesna goalie game where it's like you have no business, never mind winning, saves. being in this game. That was the only game they won saves. on that road trip. 
I know. And it and, and they don't get that. Yeah, I'll say this. I'll say this for Helly. It's a hell of a lot harder to steal a game when you score zero. <laughs> and <laughs> that happened last night. That happened last Wednesday. Um, and they are making very average, young, or inexperienced goaltenders look like um, poised NHL veterans. And, you know, unfortunately, is, unfortunately, I mean, a lot of it is what they are not doing themselves. I, I said to, to Reem and the guys, I, was, I mentioned this earlier on the program, that I kind of joked before last night's game, I hope they had a clip of Lowry's goal against the Nashville Predators just on a loop in the dressing room over and over again, showing these guys, reminding them what can happen when you go to the net, when you get a little bit of chaos, when things aren't going well. Sometimes you gotta you got to earn your goals a little bit of a different way. That, to me, there was a couple things that were really disappointing last night, but the lack of almost any traffic, any chaos in front of Joel Hofer, a young goalie with no experience playing against his hometown team, I mean, you cannot make it that easy for these guys. And, man, they did it last night. It was a very, very sharp departure from what got them back into that game in Nashville in the first place. Yeah, that's the right. Like the the veteran teams, the seasoned teams, always remind me of when you would play your old man in basketball when you were a teenager, if everybody did that like I did. Um, my, my dad is like five foot six if he's standing on his tippy toes. And so I've been taller than him for a long time. But when we would get out there and play basketball, it was like, oh, Matt, your shoes untie. Oh, Matt, your crossover still looks like absolute garbage. It was mind games. It was like I drive to the basket and all of a sudden there'd be an elbow in my stomach, old man strength, all of those seasoned vet tricks. The Jets don't ever do that. Like what you were just talking about, you got a guy who's got what? like five NHL starts to his name. He's basically in here in an emergency situation because Bennington is suspended. And instead of guys like Lowry and Dubois and whoever banging into, oh, oh, sorry, man, you know, like little shots when the ref's not looking, or even just general traffic, it's like, oh, man, you're new. Let us make it easy for you to come on the road and steal a game. We don't really need this game. We're just going for eighth place anyway. Why don't you – like they need to be more – mean they need to be more savvy they've they've been here before and and i've i've been very i've been very fixated on a point you made and keep making and even had i think made earlier when i was waiting to come on about the fragile psyche of this team and you made such a good point about the way bonus spoke about these guys in the media early in the year when he's trying to light a fire and now it's like he's walking on eggshells for crying out loud, you million-dollar, six-figure at worst athletes. Like, you need someone to light a fire under you? Do you like going out there and being booed on the power play? Do you like the way you – like, defense, hustle, requires no skill. If these guys just just hustled their asses back and forth for a full 60, I think they would be surprised at how many good things would come from that. That's what this team is missing – some bite, some hustle, some some meanness. Like people come into Winnipeg and they think, oh, we're going to start our backup goalie and probably get a shout out or maybe give up a goal. And the Jets are the only ones who can stop that kind of thinking. Forget the playoffs. They they need to. Uh, they might they might need to save this franchise in a way because if they miss the playoffs here, even if they finish eighth, but certainly if they miss the playoffs, you can't run it back next year. 
Can well, you? No. And, and what do you do? I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, just on that topic, we're going to spend most of our time talking about the present in these final 11 games and see if they can make it to the playoffs and see what happens. Uh, this goes back to my takes about the trade deadline when everyone was freaking out that they didn't trade all their prospects in a first-round pick for one of the big guys on the market because this was the year. These big changes have to happen. It's been staring us in the face for a long, long time. The first half of this season was a great story, and uh, I think people that are generally interested in the success of the hockey club were were more than willing to give the benefit of the doubt when you're winning games and you're in first place. But this has been absolute deja vu for so many people, for so many things that we've seen in this club, and the core absolutely needs to change Big, big changes need to happen. And unfortunately, and I think back to, and again, we'll get to Mark Shifley in a minute. I mean, maybe one of the biggest hot topics we've had since we started this program was when in early of last season, I brought up the possibility, like, is Mark Shifley untouchable? At this point in his term here, with the contract that he has right now, with what we've seen so far might it be time to start thinking about big, big changes? And if you are making those big changes, what would impact the team the most? What would have the most value? To me, it started with 55. And unfortunately, I think that decision will happen. That almost has been made. But with waiting the amount of time they did, I think the value, the asset value has gone down. There's only one year left on the contract. And unfortunately, we are where we are right now. And Listen, I, he took a lot of shots last night. I've been critical in the past before. I, let's look at the last couple of weeks. I thought he was really good, and he was engaged in those games in Florida. We were like, okay, finally, this is big. We need this first line to get going. And then they find themselves benched for 12 minutes Carolina. against the Carolina. Uh, Carolina. And they came back, and you know, there's a lot of people saying, well, he and Connor played really well against Boston. They had a lot of shots. They had some things, and certainly it was better what they had before. And then you go and see what's happened this weekend. And, I mean, I, I mean, he, they did nothing last night. Absolutely okay. nothing. I mean, he and Kyle okay, Connor so- led the team in ice time. Shifley had zero shots on net. Kyle Connor had two when the goalie was pulled. And, you know, Connor's maybe a little bit of a different player, although equally as important to the Winnipeg Jets. But I, I, I'm just stunned as to how off those guys have been and in particularly in games that are so important, just the lack of um, the lack of that energy, that fire that, as you mentioned, takes no skill to have. It takes the ability to believe and to really be. I mean, that is what leadership is all about. And those guys are leaders on this team, especially Mark Shifley. And I can't say that we're looking at what he's doing right now for this hockey club dating back to last week and even beyond during this stretch saying that, this is a guy that's taken this team places. Yeah, I, you know, with Shifley, I don't think that position, that player on, on a team can afford to say, okay, well, some nights he's good, some nights he's not good. He's got to be great every night. I, I wanted to, what I was going to kind of say there a minute ago, where does Mark Shifley, in your opinion, Huss, rank among the centers in the NHL? And just while you're thinking about this list, because when I watch I mean, Connor McDavid, whatever, when Leon Dreisaitl comes to town, when Nathan McKinnon comes to town, when Connor McDavid comes to town, even when an old Patrice Bergeron comes to town, I, I see those guys as being 
better than Shifley and at best it's inches, but sometimes it's feet. Like, I think that it's just, the book is closed. Mark Shifley, he's going to score you a lot of goals. He's going to put up a lot of points. He's going to score you 30 goals and you say, holy smokes, he's got 30 goals already. But too many times you're going to say, where was he? And, And that means you're not an elite center in the NHL. And you're not hanging on to obviously first in the West, but you're not a tough out in the playoffs if you even make it, unless you've got a first line center. And I guess Mark Scheif, like, is the book closed on him? Is he a second line center on a good team at best and only a top line center on a team that doesn't make the playoffs? Like, is that what he is? Uh, I'd say yes. I mean, well, that's disappointing because the reason for that is hustle. It's not skill. And that means that he's left something on the table. Oh. And that's always the biggest shame about watching athletes, right? Because Adam Lowry, I mean, I've got a huge problem with Adam Lowry, with what this team has done with Adam Lowry, because he just doesn't have the hands. He just doesn't score the goals. He's got so many things I love. His size, his leadership. He's got grit. He's got hustle. He's not a great skater, but Adam Lowry will mix it up. He'll throw down. Adam Lowry doesn't back down from anything, and I love all those sorts of things. But he's also the guy who he's in front of the net. He's wide open net, and he'll miss the net more times than he'll put it in. And that's just because you knew what Adam Lowry was when he when you signed him. Adam Lowry never scored those goals early in his career. He just doesn't have great hands. It's just it's just a fact. But but at least those intangible qualities are there night out, night and night, night in and night out. With Mark Shifley. I mean, the guy's got all the talent in the world and you bring in top centers against him and he shrivels and, and you're not going to win like that. And and that was part of the thing that informed my take two months ago. Dubois is different, but Shifley's not. And, and Connor, I give a little bit, I'm a little bit more forgiving because he doesn't play center, but, but Shifley, man, he, uh, his days in Winnipeg might very well be numbered, like you were alluding to well, there. And well, I, I hope if they do trade him, they get something for him and didn't wait too long. Well, I mean, well, you know, I, listen, I think they did. If you are going down that route, um, you know, especially if this ends up being a lost season, um, I, I don't think there's any way to argue the other side based on what's the best. What's what, the best outcome at this point right now? Like two months ago, I kind of said, well, "Where's the bar for this team with everybody so giddy and so excited?" But now I'll ask the same question. Is it just if, if we get into the playoffs and lose in the first round, is that still a good season? I don't uh, think so. Well, well, I mean, I think considering where they were when we, when we had our conversation two months ago, uh, no. Um, and here's the thing about Shife. I mean, as you mentioned, he is an incredible player. Um, he's done so many great things here. And we were so tantalized. We all, I mean, listen, 2018 playoff run is still – because the team is so similar, fresh in the minds, although it has changed quite a bit, and it's changed for the for the poorer, of course. But, I mean, Mark Shifley was absolutely incredible during that period of time. I mean, he had, what, 14 goals in 17 games? He was the guy that really made that happen against the Nashville Predators to beat the number one overall team and make it to Vegas. Sort of disappeared, like a lot of his teammates in the series against Vegas. But whatever. I mean, there was two great rounds where he was everywhere. That that level, and I think that's part of the reason, not to mention the contract that the team had him signed, why they continued going back to it over and over again and kind of having him as the leader and not maybe moving on. I'll say this. To answer your question, what's the best case scenario? 
the best case scenario is that management, the general manager, ownership, assuming that those are going to be the people making the decisions, have already finally had the realization that major significant changes are necessary with this team and that moving forward, they're able to do that. I mean, would I still like the team to make the playoffs and have the fun of a team, you know, going in? They've still got Connor Hellebuck. We've seen crazy things happen in the playoffs. But I think what needs to happen is a much bigger, it's a bigger conversation, not about the final 11 games, not what might happen if you sneak in or play in the Vegas Golden Knights or whoever in the first round. It's more about going forward. And from a fan standpoint, we all know, and I think there is some real concern because there's some people that have walked away. A lot of people that said, oh, we're getting the Jets back. I'm getting season tickets and I'll never change it. And then they did. And now they're not there anymore. I really do think that this fan base will, will respond to a team that might not be as skilled. It might be younger if they come out and play hard each and every night, people can handle losing. I don't think people expect this team to be in the Stanley cup conversation each and every year. And yeah, it's disappointing considering where they were in 2018 and 2019, or at least the first half of that season. But moving forward, I mean, it is the definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over again. And unfortunately right now we're getting some of those same results we've seen over previous seasons. And I think the answer to most people looking at this hockey club is obvious that major changes need to happen. Um, and regardless of what happens, hopefully that is something that I think management has already realized, agreed with, um, and is already working on that going forward. But right now, win some damn games, hold on to your spot, don't be the authors of one of the biggest choke jobs in recent NHL history coming from first place in the January and then somehow missing the playoffs in a conference that frankly is not very good. We're not talking about, it's going to take a hundred points to make the playoffs like it did before far from it, Matt. Yeah, this is uh the strength this year is in the East uh, aside from Colorado. I think Colorado is actually a very, very scary team when they were in town at the end of Feb and, um, the game that was supposed to be Morrissey versus Bakar. I listened to you guys joking about it. I hate the ads that change on TV, by the way, just like you guys. Oh, you just like Reed, everyone. You right Reed, let's, no, that's a, yeah, that's a rant, rant, rant waiting to uh, rant waiting to have it. But, oh, you mean the game that uh, watched, Nathan, the game that Nathan McKinnon scored on a breakaway 19 seconds in uh, the game that was right, the biggest right. game of the year that was going to test the right. team. Yeah. I remember right, right. that one. And then, and then it just so happened that my wife was out of town for a conference that weekend. So I got to watch a little more sports after the boys went to bed than I usually do because I'm not allowed to say, Oh, I work for TSN anymore. So we have to watch these games. So we get caught watching oh, good Lord, something about Vanderpumps or all kinds of things. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But I watched them play Calgary and the very next night on a back to back traveling home, they were incredible against Calgary. So I think Colorado is a very dangerous team, but you're right. The West is wide open. I wanted to go back, you know, we're talking about 2018. Part of why I think Shifley was able to be so good in 2018 was because there was so much depth on that team. I mean, Lion was scoring goals like crazy. Um, Wheeler was a very different Wheeler. Wheeler was a 90-point Wheeler. wasn't so much a scorer, but he took some of the pressure He was off. one of the best players yeah. in the league at that time, for and sure. Very. Like a 90-point guy, right, for a couple of years. And they had Stastny. Remember when they got Stastny? The deadline? Stastny changed so much. He had... What, one, maybe two huge goals in Game 7 against Nashville and they were on the road? Um, they're missing that Stastny-esque player that allows Shifley to be 
his his best version of himself, the high end up up offensive player, the high upside. So maybe when they're reconstructing this team, they can, to your point, rebuilding this team going forward, they can kind of look at what worked just a few short years ago because that 2018 team was great. And I even thought the team the next year was really good too. They just had a tough first round against St. Louis. I, I know no, that they, team wasn't hold on a great second. They the imploded internally. Like these conversations we're having right now, they, did. they go back to January of 2019. 2019. Um, something but that happened. Team still I, played the Blues hard in that first round. Like they lost that one game, game five with seconds left. Like, and then the Blues went on a run. Like that, that team, it wasn't as bad as this. I don't believe. I wasn't in the room, so I don't. I don't know. But I, I no, no. Oh, I'm with you. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, they ended up trading Patrick Line to placate other players in the locker room. We know how that has worked out, and this is on the verge. I mean, depending on yeah. what happens with Dubois, um, I mean, has the potential of being you know one of those situations that frankly sets it team and a franchise back a long long way I mean certainly did it certainly did in the short term and I mean you want to talk about that game I mean that series against St. Louis I mean the best players for the Jets in that series were Dustin Bufflin and Patrick Laine yeah and then you know Laine goes and and scores the OT winner in his final freaking game for for the Jets in their first game of the series anyways I don't want to relitigate all that but I think my feelings on that are quite clear Patrick Maroon was like the best player on the ice in that series, no matter what team that guy plays for against the Jets. Um, just talking about, then let's talk about positive things, right? So you you, you guys brought me on here because you wanted me to reverse this curse. Yes, reverse the curse, put on please. The team. First of all, I, I don't, I didn't curse this team. You didn't. Um, I, but... I like you reading some of those. My favorite comment from the day that I was on two months ago was the guy saying I ate too many gas station donuts. <laughs> I, I've never had a gas station donut in my life. I've had a 7-Eleven donut, but I've never... They're better than I Tim's. Actually, Just a quick donut take. The Seven donuts are literally better than Tim's right now. They're so good. The mini donuts at McDonald's, too. My kids yes. are all about those as well. Um, What's happened but... to Canada's national donut change? Sad. <laughs> I'm not going there. Donut but, takes. Uh, the, this team, I, I think that there is still... You know, they can still play hard down the stretch. They can do, still do some good things possibly. I'm surprised at how poor they've been. Um, missing the playoffs would be just absolutely disastrous, but it might be what this team needs so that we're not in this situation again next year and the year after. Because in professional sports, mediocrity, like finishing in the middle of the pack, it's rough. It's a, it's a real rough way to get yourself, either need to be really, really good or really, really, really bad. Um, but the, what I did want to say, I wanted to focus on the positives. You know, you were saying in our conversation here that some people were giving you, oh, my cat's made an appearance, uh, a hard time about the trade deadline. I, I can't understand for a second why anyone actually thought that this team should be going for a team Omaya or that that would have worked. But I do love the two guys they added at the deadline. I think they've been their two best players the last oh, couple of weeks. The, the, both of those trades fantastic. were amazing. Amazing. The, the, the value they got was, I mean, right at the top fantastic. of all those deals. But it says something that, I mean, hell, uh-huh. Nino Niederreiter was the leader speaking to the media after the top line got benched for 12 minutes last week against the Carolina Hurricanes in a big that, game. The Metsnikov's been up how, and down the lineup. I mean, it's it's a terrible look on so many know. levels. That's how you know that there's a problem with Shifley, is that he wouldn't get up and talk after that game. That's a huge, huge problem. I mean, your next guest is 
a hotshot, handsome, talented, legitimate journalist who's been in the room. The biggest of big J's. Who's elicited, oh, he's the biggest of big J's, all right. He's elicited a lot of quotes. He's had he's had Paul Maurice swear at him in a scrum. He knows what it's like. And Mark Shifley and, and but I've also hung out with Jeff Hamilton and he's totally harmless. He's a great guy. Mark Shifley is afraid to go out and talk to a guy like Jeff Hamilton and answer for the fact that he got benched. No, that's character. That's hustle. That's all the things that we're talking about. You've got to stop protecting these guys. I mean, they, they got to go out there and talk. That was a huge issue when Niederreiter is the one out there, but he's been amazing. And the other thing I just wanted to say, I think Nemestikov, who gets traded at every single deadline for some reason, I think he's looked like a real nice player. He's had hustle. He's been buzzing around the net. I'd, I'd resign him. Because I think one of the things that this team has learned that they need is they need scoring depth on the third and fourth lines. It was one of the reasons why I like Sam Gagne, whom they never play. It's the big reason why I don't like Adam Lowry, who they always play, because he can't score. But Stenland isn't going to score you a lot of goals. Appleton's super fast, but he isn't going to score you a lot of goals. Morgan Barron, he's a nice player. He isn't going to score any goals. You need guys who can score goals. I know defense wins championships. And yes, that one person who told me that I've been spending too much time with Troy Westwood, I mean, yeah, and that's a Westwood thing that he would say all the time. Defense, defense, defense. And I would be the one saying, you can't win a game 0-0. You have to score at least one goal for your defense to win a championship. And that's when the Jets always have these problems. When their big guys get shut down by another team's top shutdown guys, who's going to provide the scoring? Nemesnikov. For mayor, <laughs> the answer. I don't know. He's the uh, answer, Maddie. Listen, this was a lot of fun. Can you just quickly give us some sort of a blessing? We don't need to. Re- you don't need to reverse the curse that you put on the club on the with all your truth serum on the seventeenth of January. But give us something good on your way out, please. Positive vibes. Some something good on my way out. Okay, quick little story. Um, there was once this king who sent a servant out to get him a very special ring. He got to find this ring. It took him a huge trial. There's a deeper story that you can get into, get into, but he brought him this ring. And he later found out what, what was so special about this ring is that engraved inside the ring was the phrase, this too shall pass. And the point is that even when things are going absolutely great, don't think that they're going to last forever because this too shall pass. And when things feel like the bottom has fallen out and you're just going to sink and sink and never score a goal again, this too shall pass. So Jets fans, this too shall pass. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were certainly correct with the, this too shall pass take on the 17th of January. Let's hope that it's that, that it quickly kicks in right now. In time for the uh, Coyotes and Ducks over these next couple games, um, team uh, games. Can I just say one one yeah. thing, just for you to pass on to your next guest, because I see him kind of hanging out here in the green room. You put in a good word for Jeff Hamilton to get himself a raise so he can afford to buy a pair of AirPods instead of having the old school uh, headphones that are attached and look like he's going to no. choke somebody. I mean, like this guy's a this guy's a leading journalist in the country here, man. Let's throw him some sponsorships and a couple of bucks. And a new pair of pods, man. I'll say this, and the CTO will agree. The wired headphones, I think, are far more reliable. AirPods suck. They sound like ass. 
Yeah. He's just, he's just We're, not. That's just because the things I say make people have very visceral reactions. It's not that they sound like ass. It's that I'm an ass. No, <laughs> hey. no. I've dealt with everything. They don't sound good. Give me the wire. Uh, Maddie, you're the best, <laughs> man. The this is a knows. lot of fun. By the way, I'm very disappointed after our incredible, incredible night at AEW last week that for the most famous rebar mitzvah in sports entertainment history, that you were not somehow involved uh, involved in it. Um, that was, listen, we're, we're going to have to, if, if MJF's doing any other rebar mitzvahs, we need to get you, uh, get you somehow involved. It was a heck of a lot of fun. We did, I, I did put, Benji Rothman brought me a keeper for it as well. I threw it on for the rebar mitzvah. Just, uh, you know, had to show respect. Um, we had, uh, we had quite a time. We missed you. But anyways, let's do this again very soon. Hopefully this too shall pass. The Jets can get on a bit of a roll and we can still be talking about playoff hockey in a few weeks. Thanks for doing this, buddy. A pleasure. All the best to you, Remus, Jeff Hamilton, all the listeners, even the ones who think I eat too many gas station donuts or that Troy Westwood had a bad influence on me, neither of which is true. Take care. <laughs> uh, the sports rabbi himself, Matt Leibel, man, that was a lot of fun having him on and uh, we'll continue. <laughs> we'll continue talking jets uh, with the hammer coming up right now. Uh, of course, I got to give a huge shout out to our friends over at Royal Sports, the ultimate sports superstore in Winnipeg and Manitoba. If you, if you have not been in Royal to see the biggest selection of licensed merchandise you might ever see in your life, what the hell are you waiting for? Uh, they do have tons of Jets gear, personalized jerseys if you like, tons of exclusive uh, Fanatics product, uh, products, not to mention a great selection of Bomber gear, NFL, National Hockey League, Major League Baseball, with the Blue Jays season right around the corner, Raptors in NBA, international soccer, the biggest hockey selection in town, snowboards, boots, bindings, and uh, a massive Yeti section and so much more over on the cool King Skate Snow and Surfside. Pop on down, see them for yourself, 750 Pemina Highway. And you can always follow them on Twitter as well, at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest, or, sorry, follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Um, guys, as we head into spring, uh, what's the wardrobe situation? You're going to have some big events. You've got some weddings in the summer. Guys, might be a great time to pop down and uh, up your wardrobe game with our friends over at F Apparel with amazing deals on custom suits beginning at just $400, custom golf pants, chinos, and more, and custom shirts to be worn both tucked and untucked, and the best selection of men's accessories around, all at great prices. Pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street. Talk to them if you're in a wedding party this summer. About a 15% discount for the entire gang when you get suited up at F Apparel. And if you have a 2023 high school grad in the family, get the young man a suit to take him into the next stage of his life. And uh, F will hook him up with a free custom shirt and tie valued at about 150 bucks. F Apparel, make an appointment or find out more online at ephapparel.com. And again, they're down at 190 Smith Street. Well, scoreboard watching tonight. No Jets action until tomorrow for a quick one-off before heading down to Southern California. Five games in the league tonight, including a big one late between the Flames and the Kings. No better place to set up shop and watch it with your friends than Boston pizza. Chow down on some uh, gourmet, gourmet pizza, delicious Boston's wings. 
ice cold schooners, and more. And of course, if you're not going to the game tomorrow, next best place to do it with pick a player contest for Winnipeg Jets action is your local Boston Pizza. And you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, still on the road is our guy, Jeff Hamilton, with the Winnipeg Free Press. He was there in Nashville for a uh, pretty solid game and a positive result and was also there in St. Louis last night for uh, the loss we've been talking about for the majority of the program. Hammer joins us now. Jeff, what's going on? How are you, buddy? Hustler, it's uh, great to see you. You know, we got a week away from each other, so I think we, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're ready to we're ready to talk again. Man, do I miss Matt Leibel. I miss him with all my heart. I, we're just texting right now. We're going to try to get together soon, hopefully fix that. But uh, I like how he brought the I like how he brought the props out. You probably can't tell because I'm such a stylish guy and I'm in Montreal at the moment. So, you know, a robe doesn't really, you know, isn't really far off the typical dress code. But I thought maybe as, you know, as a boxing match, I'd bring this out and start wearing this for, uh, you know, it should be a good interview. But, I, you know, I don't know. I, I see a lot of people who are looking for me to lay the hammer down, if you will. But, you know, at this point, I mean, I don't know. After last last week's debacle, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we'll go a little softer on these well, guys. Well, last week was a real fun conversation. It was a more bigger conversation. Yeah, I thought a debacle. Diff- that was a bad word. Two, that was fun. Yeah, I mean, two different... I mean, listen, I thought it was a great debate talking about possibilities going forward with Connor Hellebuck. Although, I'll tell you what, I don't think we're going to be talking about Hellebuck this time because Hellebuck so far off of the biggest issues for this hockey club right now coming out of last night's game. Um, you know, before we start hammering on yesterday and what happened and what didn't happen and what needs to change. I do want to ask you about, you know, you were there in Nashville. Um, I have to tell you, I mean, from where I sat here in Winnipeg watching the game, I thought the team came out hard. I thought they played well. Um, They battled back against an excellent, very elite goaltender to tie it up at a breakdown right afterwards. And then, you know, the one thing that Rick bonus had been preaching over and over again the team actually did. There was Adam Lowry in the front of the net, getting a rebound, popping it in. And I mean, it saved what would have been a disastrous regulation loss, turned it into an overtime game, at which point the much maligned Neil Pionk ends up being the OT winner. Um, before we talk about St. Louis, what did you think about the way the team played, battled back, and ended up getting a very important two points to uh, start the weekend? Who? Yeah. So I wrote I wrote about this in my in my game piece. I think there's two ways you can look at, at at that game. I mean, the way that you just described, I think, would be the the more positive viewpoint. In that, you know, for a good chunk there, they were trying to stick handle the puck over the goal line. That was the only way they were going to score goals. Um, and then they finally realized that you should crash the net against a team that had like look. I mean, the Nashville Predators were watered down. Like Roman Yossi got hurt. You know, so they didn't have a ton of guys. One of the guys they traded was on the Jets. And as we've talked about for a week, has been one of the better players for Winnipeg. So they're a shadow I mean, of the team I mean, this, that they were whole, even like, a month mounting, ago. Mounting a comeback thing, like, I guess so. But I mean, I think that's probably the most frustrating things for fans was, you know, you watch them, you know, they outshot Nashville, what, 13-5 after the first period. But not a lot of great opportunities, a lot of perimeter stuff and, and a very similar style of play as the St. Louis Blues, and that St. Louis also dumped a bunch of their talent. So there are a bunch of guys that are working super hard and are willing to step in front of pucks and and play that defensive game. Like They'll give you offensive zone time all you want. They're just not going to let you get close to the net, and the Jets are all too content of playing tic-tac-toe in the crease. So, 
you know, I, you know, I think it was certainly a positive. So in my story, I wrote, you can look at this two ways. You could look at this as, okay, thankfully they got the victory. And so we could stop talking about how bad this team is, switch the narrative, even for just 24 hours. Um, because if you, you know, if they lost um, that game, we were right in their obituary. I mean, this is, this is essentially was a must win game against a team. That's, you know, the fact that they're even nipping at their heels is, is, is not, is not a testament to how well Nashville's playing. It's an indictment of how the jets have been playing for the last six weeks. I mean, so yeah, there, there was positives in the sense that they managed to get those goals. And, and again, I think that's the most frustrating part for fans is, is that you saw, you know, whether it was Adam Lowry's goal that took a lot of guts and, you know, went to the net, drove the net, uh, buried a rebound and and Neil Pionk same story I mean Pierre-Luc Dubois put a a shot pass on net and Neil Pionk drove the net and and scored so they and you know I asked Rick Bonus after the game I said is that not the ex, like the exact blueprint that you've been trying to preach to these guys these greasy goals as we as we've I've, I've called them over the last couple of weeks and then they show up against St. Louis and they want to dance around a team that's going to outwork them like <laughs> you it, know how it's just I, I was just mentioning at the start of the show, uh, before the game yesterday, I was hooking up with some friends to watch it, and I literally said, I hope Bones has had the Lowry goal on a loop in the dressing room for the last hour going in. That's essentially because, what I said to him after it, the game. I said, it, did you not just going to show that goal over and over and over again yeah. to your players? Mm. Uh, let's just say that there was absolutely none of that. I mean, you were there in the press box. What did it look like from... Um, from the booth there in St. Louis, because it seemed at times it was a more or less lifeless team. Um, the power play once again killing them. I did like moving Ehlers up, but that four-minute power play they got from uh, the Krug-Stenland thing ended up sucking what little life they seemingly had to begin the game out of them. Um, and I guess the other thing that we have to talk about, I mean, there's a lot of we've talked about the given F factor that hasn't been there enough on certain players. Um, I don't know what it says about this team that Nikolai Ehlers felt that he had to go and fight Braden Shen and get it handed to him. And then nothing from anybody else on the club for the rest of it. But I mean, to me, that was as disappointing from a team perspective as the lack of doing the things that helped them win games in the past that were also also absent last night. Look, what we're witnessing right now is exactly, I think, the fear that many people who adore this team and wanted great things for them um, are were fearing late in the season. We, we kept talking about how the games ramp up, the intensity ramps up, and you have to match that intensity. And the fact of the matter is the Jets just aren't doing that. And I think what we're seeing right now is – a pure lack of experience on this team. I mean, I read a story in the New York Times the other day. It was about the Boston Bruins. I guess they sent a reporter down to Boston to see why they're so amazing. And, I, you know, there's a couple of quotes from Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron, and it's about having older guys, about how they brought back Patrice Bergeron. And, and, and Patrice Bergeron called David Krejci, who had taken a year off, uh, to come back and join the Bruins and that those calming influences, you look at the Chicago Blackhawks when they won their Stanley cups, calming influences experience and, and the jets, I mean, they're such a fragile team and they have been for so long that, you know, you want to look at what happened in the Nashville game. Well, it took Nikolai Ehlers clapping a, a top corner goal to wake this team up. They never got that goal against St. Louis. They never got that momentum. And so 
they don't have the experience to look over down the bench and see a guy that's not panicking. Like, I just would love to see what the, you know, we have the bird's eye view, but I would love to see what goes down on the bench, what the body language is, because I'll tell you what, anyone watching Rick Bonus's post-game shows, like, they have beat the life out of this guy. I mean, this guy is not the same Rick Bonus that he was earlier in, 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 in the season. I mean, he's trying his hardest to get, you know, to get the best out of these guys. He's no longer in the business of challenging them because what's the point of challenging them? You just look like an idiot when you challenge them and then they, they lay an egg the next day. Um, so what he's what the approach he's taking now is the complete opposite. It's it's coddling these guys. It's it's telling them you should be embracing this moment and having fun. It's essentially reminding them that they're in the National Hockey League and to have some perspective and not show up like whiny babies every day and feel sorry for yourself. Because the fact of the matter is, when it rains, it pours with this group. And it's just I feel sorry for Jets fans. You know, I, I really do because. You know, all they want is an effort. All they want is a team that's going to go in and put in, you know, the effort and, and, and you know, forecheck and be, be a team that, that you can be proud of. And it's just like the little bit of adversity. Like a team in the St. Louis Blues who don't have Ryan O'Reilly, Barbashev, lost Tory Krug, you know, like when he lost his marbles, like that was not a great team on paper. And, you, and, and you're telling me, and, and Rick Bonus said this after the game, that they crumbled after the first goal at 4.04 of the first period? What? Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, you know, you can call me negative. You know, you can call me whatever you want. I don't even care. Like, how can you watch this team? Like, this, this is just a – this has gone back. Like, how funny was – like, I'll go back to a conversation we had weeks and maybe even months ago. Like, everybody, you know e- – like our colleagues went out to Banff and then there was this big, like, you know, signed paper that they were going to commit to each other and everyone was going to be down for being coached and everyone was going to hold everybody accountable. And it was this big kumbaya moment. Like somehow this team blossomed and then they went through a bunch of injuries and the, guess what? The bottom six actually felt like they belonged because for a lot of years, they didn't feel like they belonged on this team. That's the problem with the dressing room. So when they started feeling it, okay, now what fast forward X amount of months now, and it's just out the window. Nobody wants to get coached. Nobody wants to be held accountable. Like, like and in and, and that moment, everyone was, again, everyone was writing how this was some great thing. I was thinking to myself, this crew has been here for what? A decade? Like this core has been here for six or seven years. And now they're signing a piece of paper that they're going to treat each other like human beings. Like, I just well, I mean, that was, that. I'll say this. That was part of Rick Bonus coaching at the beginning of the season, trying to, Trying to change the culture. Identi- uh, yes, identifying that there was a problem here. Absolutely, that, that, and everyone that knew that. Out I mean, I would love to be a fly on, on the wall for all those conversations in the offseason because you could just imagine what guys were saying. You know, they don't even have a captain on this team. Like, it's just like we need to find out the voice. We need to find out who who wants to be here. I mean, you're getting your answers. I mean, how, how many weeks ago was it that, that Bonus had that quote where, like, we're going to find out exactly – you know who these guys are. Well, we know we have found out exactly who these guys yeah, are. That was going into the Colorado game. They gave up a breakaway goal to McKinnon 19 seconds into the game. We're never even in that game. And then follow that up with the Islanders and had one shot in the first period. And um, did they get shut out in that game too? I think they may have. Which one? The Islanders, the afternoon oh, yeah, game they, against yeah, the Islanders. Did. And then you asked me yeah. about St. Louis and I kind of went on a different rant. Well, yeah, they got 33 shots, but they made... You know, what a great story, Joel Hoffer. I mean, Winnipeg guy making his second second start this season, fourth over his career. They made him look like 
like Dominic Hasek out there, you know? But, like, did, was, but did he look like Dominic Hasek no, or well, did really, he look more like David well, Riddick in that Pittsburgh game where he basically didn't have to do much of anything? Have you ever seen a team spend so much time in the offensive zone and generate absolutely nothing? Like they were outshot. The Jets outshot them, what, 13, 15, 7 in the first period? They didn't have one quality opportunity. The one thing I could think of in the first period was, I don't know if it was Nikolai Ehlers or, or Nino Niederreiter, popped the puck out to Dubois. And, like, and there was a stop in front. Or, uh, and it was like, okay, that was a, a pretty good save. And then you looked at the seven shots that the St. Louis Blues had, and about five of them were grade eights. You know, and so it's just like it wasn't it was quality over quantity yesterday. And, and it's just like I said, I, I, I just feel sorry for Jets fans because they were fooled. And, I, and, and in a lot of ways, we all were fooled. We were we, we thought, you know, this was a this was a this was a team that we all thought, you know, had figured it out, that it, that, that enjoyed being with each other, that that had the talent that, you know, wanted to drive. And we were all looking at, you know, November, November. Remember, remember that it was the American Thanksgiving that if you find yourself in a position, you're, you're, you know, you're bang on. It wasn't even November. It was like January. I mean, they won yeah, eight what, or nine yeah, what, in what, January. What are the numbers if you're first in the Western Conference in the middle of January? Yeah, I mean, and so it's just like, like 97, 98 percent. And it's so funny. I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's so it's hilarious because you're like, I'm sitting up there and I'm, I'm like, you know, like, look, people, people send me emails and be like, oh, you're not a Jets fan. Of course, I'm not a Jets fan. I'm a journalist. I cover this team. You know, like I, 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 I try to give you. You know, I share my opinion on here and everything, and it's fun and whatever. But I try to give you an objective perspective of what I'm, you know, what they're saying and what, you know, what they're saying and what they're doing. Okay, and what they're saying isn't matching what they're doing. And so it's hilarious being on the road because I'm the only independent media guy there. I mean, you know, air out those post game interviews. I'm the only one asking questions, and it's just like part of me is just like just come back so it's not a miserable experience after the game. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know who I want to talk to. You know what I mean? Can't talk to Mark Shifley because you only get two requests. And guess what? You get about two and a half, three minutes with them. Mark Shifley will sit there and just whine or he just will turn it down, right? Like, I don't want to, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's just like it's just like pulling teeth. Like, I find myself cheering for this team just so there could be some – some like you know obviously not cheering for them but like I, I i find myself hoping that they win a game so it's just not misery all over the place so i don't know man it's just again i just feel like i just feel like you know i, I get animated because i just like i said i feel bad for my family and friends who care about the jets i feel bad for the viewers who who, who care about this team and defend them and you know Go after guys like me when I'm I'm negative and cynical and 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 right on, man. Like you should be defending your team. You should be you should have a team here in Winnipeg that you're proud of. And and when you know, and that's just not the case right now. I don't know how you can be proud of this team. I don't know how you can look at this this club and say they have any ingredient outside of Connor Hellebuck to be a good to be a good um, to be a, a playoff team, let alone a good playoff team. They don't. We're in game seventy something. They don't have an identity. They don't know which team's going to show up. Their power play sucks. They don't have any heart. They're uninspired plays. They don't know how to score goals. Turn on a switch. You have to turn on a lighthouse to get this team going. This is this isn't this isn't a one and done thing. This is eleven games remaining. There's not a single team in the NHL who goes. Wait, guys, we got 11 games before the playoffs. We've got plenty of time to figure it out. All the teams that you're going to watch in summer when it's boring to watch hockey are going to be the teams that have figured it out a month ago, not the teams that are trying to find their identity and come out each and every night feeling sorry for themselves because they're not tucking the goals they think they deserve and don't work for. It's brutal. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there'll be situations. I mean, like we were talking about Tampa trying to find their way a week ago. Well, 
I meditated Tampa's, before this too. I didn't want to hmm. go off hustle. I didn't. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's this thing. I, I actually had a plan to kind of just be like, "Hey, you know you what? Know. This team's this team's bringing that out of a lot of people." And that's an I. I mean, you know, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit. I mean, I want this team to do well. It's great for our show. It's yeah, just great. City, I mean, listen, even if I wasn't doing this, even if I was doing something completely else, life is better, at least in my world, with the people that I hang out with. We care about the team. I mean, it's better. And that's why this first three months of this season was was frankly so wonderful because people were justifiably very skeptical about what this team was capable of with minimal personnel changes and a coach. And Bones, for the first half, was one of the great stories of the entire National Hockey League. Unfortunately, though, we are living in March and not December and not January. And this last two months... I mean, the Jets, by every measure, have been not just a borderline playoff team. They've been one of the worst teams in the NHL. I believe in the last two months, they've got less points than Chicago, than they Arizona. They've the worst record in the last 17 games than the St. Louis Blues, Huss. Yeah, and we know what the Blues, uh, we, the Blues have done right, so far. So we, we, are, we, are, we, are here, we are here where... I mean, where this team is at right now, there's 11 games left. And I mean, you know, and Matt and I were talking about this. He's like, what's the best case scenario to come out of this? And my answer was, well, the best case scenario is not about the next 11 games. And it's not about if they make it, what happens in the first round of the playoffs. It's more about the big picture and more it's about and And I think most people would agree. And I'm probably right there as well dating back to our conversations about the future of Mark Shifley and the value that he would have had if they had moved on from that and what that would have done to the core of this team, that um, they've just realized that this is long overdue and it has to happen and these big significant changes will happen. And it might be a step back for a year or two as you get younger players coming in. But, I mean, I don't think there's any question that the, the changeover of this core that hasn't happened is so long overdue and maybe, just maybe, the play of the team, the, how the leaders have handled it, some of them, um, has been the final slap in the face to people that actually have the ability to make changes, for, make changes on this. Because I really don't think, and I think, you know, as we talked about it going into the deadline, I think that that was sort of resonating there and part of the reason why we maybe didn't see more things. That's at least the way I interpret it. But I will tell you this, regardless of whether this team sneaks in in the eighth spot, God forbid they actually don't. And we have to talk about, I mean, blowing uh, the, the spot they were in January to not making the playoffs. But regardless of what happens, I, I mean, I don't know how you can watch this team night in and night out, especially with what's happened over the last couple of months and not think that major surgery and it might be difficult it might be tough and unfortunately you might not be getting back what you could have if you'd acted on this earlier but it is absolutely necessary moving forward and i think fans will respond to it to be perfectly frank i mean it's one thing to not be a stanley cup contender it's one thing to have more reasonable expectations or hopes going into next season but the one thing, and I say this as a season ticket holder, I would way rather pay to watch a team of younger, inspired players that come with energy, that care, that feel like it is the privilege to be there and trying to earn their spot every night 
than a bunch of guys that we know are capable of a lot that you might see something one night, you might not see anything, and when the shit's really going down, you're wondering, who who in this room cares? Who is the guy that's going to step up? I, I still can't believe it was Nikolai Ehlers who not only fought, had a big welt on his face, and then went to talk to you after the game, but, I mean, where the hell was everybody else on this team? Oh, unbelievable, man. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, and I don't know. I, you know, there's no answer for it. I mean... I've seen a lot of people talk about Nikolai Ehlers in the past saying like, you know, he's a bit nutty, man. I mean, you know, like he, we've seen it in the past, like he'll, he's a little fearless. And it's one of those things, if you've ever been one of those guys on the ice, it's almost like you don't realize what you got into until you're in it. And so I think that was a bit of an example of that. But yeah, I mean, the the response was nothing, man. I mean, it was just like, how do you, how do you watch one of your guys who's a scorer, who's, you know, who's, who's 30, 30 pounds lighter and, and probably an inch or two shorter than Braden Chen get dummied like that. And then not, and not, you know, not wake up, not not look at each other and go, are we really going to let this team push us around? A team that's that's under five, well under five hundred, is going to push us around while we're trying to find our way into the find our way into the playoffs. And I mean, uh, you know, and to your point about, like, you know, I think I think I was debating this with you a couple of weeks ago about how I how I maybe didn't believe or didn't quite agree with you that that the that the city would be interested in a in a in a rebuild that they wouldn't be interested, you know, that, that they've waited for so long to do something special um, that they, I, that they wouldn't be interested in that. And, and I, I I'm with you now. Like I completely changed my mind. I, I do. Th- I, well, it's not even that people will like it. You have to do it. I mean, you can't go back with this same crew. You can't think that things are going to change. Like all these guys are up for new deals. So you can't redo it. I mean, and here's the other part. You're going to have them do the work for you because there's not one of them that's coming back. Not one. Trade Connor Hellebuck to, to, you know, which is, I'm not saying trade Connor Hellebuck because I don't, I, I think Connor Hellebuck's amazing. He's by far the best player on this team. It's mm-hmm. going to be, it's going to be a sad state of affairs for the fans to lose a guy like that, who is such a, a building block to this team's, you know, resurgence, if you will, or surge for however long that lasts. That's going to be a tough one, but trade him to Detroit, get Billy Huso. You know what I mean? He can be your goalie for a while while you do a rebuild or something like that. You know, you got to get rid of Mark Shifley, you know, like, you know, you, Pierre-Luc Dubois is not coming back. We we all kind of know that. And so it's just, I think it's going to be forced into a hand. I think the big question now is not is not whether or not they're going to have to do a rebuild uh, or a retool at best. Um, it's where does Kevin Cheveldayoff fit in all this? You know, are you, like, because at the end of the day, Kevin Cheveldayoff did, has done some good things for this organization. He's found some talent. But where I would argue he's fallen incredibly short is not having a pulse on his team. You can look at guys on paper and think that this is a winner, but if you don't know the attitudes and personalities in your locker room, or, or at the very least, the attitudes and personalities and people that need to be in your locker room to be a winner, then, you, then you're, not, you're not the guy to re- redo this. You know, it's going to be somebody else, and it's going to fall on Mark Chipman to make that decision one way or the other. And, you know, it's, the reality is, is that how long, like, I mean, He's got what a couple more years left on his deal. I mean, do you let him go through this process? Do you give him the keys to 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 you know? Because it's not Kevin Shevelday off drafting these players. I mean, he's got a good skilled team drafting these players, and I think it was a big big thing that they drafted Rutger McGordy. And I think there was a lot of people on his staff that were yelling and screaming not to not to draft another European to bring in a guy like him to bring in some muscle. <laughs> Because you're not going to get Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois, if you look at this, obviously Josh Morrissey's under contract, Kyle Connor's under contract. 
But if you're going to build around a guy, it's building around a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, but that's just not going to happen. So, you know, there's a lot of questions here um, that need to be answered. But the reality is, is they have 11 more games and they're more than likely going to make the playoffs. And so in the meantime, you know, what you obviously have to, what I think fans have to do is try to enjoy this ride, see if they can get, you know, like get some of that buzz going and, and you know, when the snow melts and the, and the weather gets nice and there's out, outside parties and maybe the Jets can catch fire. I mean, it sounds very, very unlikely, but what else, what other option do you have? Because the reality is, is a change is a coming because the Jets aren't dropping so far out of the playoffs picture that they're going to get some notable draft pick. So, the, so they're going to squeeze into the playoffs, whether they last one round or, or, or more, who knows, we'll see. Um, but it's all, you know, this is going to be, I think, the last kind of hurrah as, again, as short as it possibly can be, but it's going to be the last one for probably a while. So that's just, a, again, I just, you know, I'm going to stop saying I feel sorry uh, for, for fans. even though I just said it because it sounds like pity now, but it's just, it's just, it's just a tough situation that needs to be addressed. Yeah. And, and the problem is, and the worst part of this last thing is that it's been, we've kind of watched it play out mm-hmm. for years. And that's the sad part. Well, and, and this is why... <clears throat> I mean, listen, there's a lot of truth in what you said. I'm not sure that Sheveldayoff does not have that pulse of the room, does not kind of realize what he has right now. I, I mean, oh. I certainly think they realized it at the end of last season. I think it was, if they didn't, <clears throat> all they needed to do was listen to the player interviews at the end of the year. Um, and I think there was a lot of frustration on some players. Obviously, I mean, much has been made of what Mark Shifley said and what he didn't say at the end. I mean, it was staring them in the face. I think the decisions, first of all, are not made in a vacuum. I don't think he's just a lone horse saying, this is what I'm doing going forward. I think there's a lot of other um, factors that go into that. And to be perfectly frank, Jeff, I think that if any of the, if there's a criticism about Chevaldeav, it's not necessarily that he didn't know what he's dealing with, that they didn't have the courage to just acknowledge it go forward, do what they had to do at that time and change things up and give them a path to maybe a different. And this is exactly the reason why I was saying, even when this team was in first place, I don't want them trading the first round pick. I think this draft is too good. It's going to be too important. And I sure as hell don't want the name Rucker McGrory named in any trade right now. And this is probably unfair for a kid that hasn't even signed a contract and is playing his first year in Michigan. But the reason why I think the team loved him, why fans have loved what they've heard from him, if you've watched him play, this guy is a ball of energy. He's compared to like a Brady Kachuk. That is the thing that this team is lacking the most of, I think, everything. It's the pulse. Who is the heartbeat of this club? Josh Morris, he's been that guy for a long time this year, and I want to take away from what he's done right now. But when we look at the top highly paid forwards, the guys that you need to lean on when it gets going, um, way too many guys that have been no-shows right now. Um, Shifley was there on the weekend last week against Carolina. And listen, we'll t- talk a lot about Mark Shifley, but w- what what do you make of Kyle Connor's situation right now? Because he, he's got like a, is, it, is this just bad puck luck? He's got a 2.4 scoring uh, per, um, uh, shooting percentage over the course of the last month and a half? Or 
is this a guy that is just in such a funk, along with the guys that he's been playing with, most notably Shifley for a good portion of time, that just aren't doing the things that have made them successful in the past, and they don't have any answers? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I don't fault Kyle Connor um, for effort. He's one of the guys that, you know, he's a pure goal scorer. Um, you know, could, you, could he be better at checking and stuff like that? You know, maybe. Um, but you know he cares. You know, like, you know, you know, like, you know, what's getting at him. I mean, this is the lady, you know, the radio training lady. He's so Bay frustrated winner, right and now. He's so frustrated. And that's what I'm saying. And that to me, while it doesn't always come out in the, you know, the most productive ways necessarily when it comes to penalties, it is passion. You know, he cares about it. I mean, I talked to him, you know, he cares, you know, he's reiterating the same things. He's, he's a guy who is meant to score. He's on the team to score. And when you go through the drought that he's gone through right now, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, so, you know, that's, that, that's, you know, I guess fair to a certain degree, obviously it's his job, you know, so there is some criticism there that he needs to score goals. Um, but the problem is, is I think, I don't think he's a very good line mate with Mark Shifley. And I think Mark Shifley really wants to play with him. You know, like Connor, I don't know why they don't put Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers back together. I mean, that line was buzzing. When they played, oh, we've together. been waiting for that and for the so, last ten but, games but, while but the Dubois has been is, gone. Well, the question is, is so what's is that is that fifty five's influence? Like, what, 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 why isn't why isn't that the line? Because I I, I, I don't know what that. it is, but I mean, you know, you talk about, I mean, Kyle Connor is, in my opinion, beyond the lack of scoring, which is which is concerning as a team, um, and, and obviously he's going to be near the top of the list when you're as when you're as. Uh, when you're as when you're as talented as he ha- is and has been for years, as far as scoring goals, for sure he's part of that conversation. But I don't put this guy as somebody uh, as somebody who 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 um, you know mails it in certain nights. You know, like and so I think the problem is is there's far too many passengers on this team and not enough drivers. There's not enough guys that are driving lines that are making their wingers better or line mates better depending on what position they play. It's just everyone's waiting for somebody else to make them better. I mean, and, and I just, that's, I think that's the problem that nobody's taking, you know, no one's, like you said, we're, who's the heartbeat of this team? Who, who's the guy that's showing night in and night out? I mean, I would argue it's, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois on some, on, on most nights. Now he missed eight to nine games before coming back the last two. Uh, he's way too inconsistent but, for me. But that's I mean, the other to part me, too. That's what it's I mean. Morrissey and it's Connor Hellebuck. And I mean, a goalie Absolutely, can only do so sure. much. Those and, are the guys. 100%. And a D-man can only do so much on the offensive side when he's logging nearly 30 minutes a game on a lot of, on a lot of those big nights. Absolutely. So that's no disrespect to to, to uh, Josh Morrissey. I, we were just talking about the goal scoring. Yeah, yeah those, those are the drivers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, that's that's kind of when it rains, when it pours with these guys. And, and you know, we're, we've been seeing a storm for quite some time. Hey, buddy, this has been uh, – <laughs> I, could, I could literally continue this conversation for another hour and a half. No problem. Not me. I got to work. I know. You got to oh, I'm sure you do have to work. Um, enjoy Montreal. And uh, <laughs> I'll look forward to seeing you when you get back from uh, whatever you've got going there. And uh, Don't worry about it. We'll look forward – hey, believe me, no worries. I'm, I'm just jealous. It would be nice to uh, – be nice to be out there for uh, for an extra day or two, uh, but of course we've got a big game tomorrow. Um, are you back in for the game tomorrow? Yeah. Oh. Me okay. Perfect. Well, we'll see you back here for uh, for a big one against the Coyotes Ducks. I mean, to me, these two games are we talk about must wins quite a bit, and sort of you know in this business, a lot of things get exaggerated. There's a lot of hyperbole. If this team does not beat the Coyotes and the Ducks in these next two games, 
uh, and I know that standings look where they are. I just went through Calgary's last seven games, and with the exception of the game against the Winnipeg Jets, it's Vancouver, it's Anaheim, it's uh, who is the last two? Oh yeah, Nashville, San Jose, Chicago. Um, Calgary has some. And listen, they haven't been great with, um, you know, some of their game. But listen, they're getting to overtime. They're scoring goals. They are really battling right now. Um, the Calgary Flames worry me right now. And if the Jets don't take advantage of this schedule over the course of this next week and a half to build up a bit of a cushion, um, that last week and that last game against the Calgary Flames could be could be miserable for uh, for the folks around here. That being said, see if they can win tomorrow and uh, get a bit more of a cushion. And maybe we'll be talking about playoff hockey coming up in uh, in a few weeks. Hammer, travel safely, my friend. Great stuff as always. Uh, look forward to uh, reading more about the game in the free press tomorrow and uh, coming out of tomorrow night and Wednesday's edition. Thanks, Hoss. Always a pleasure. As Matt Leibel said, this too shall pass. We will, uh, you know... Who knows? The future might be bright. The future might be as cloudy as it is now, but we're all alive and living, so it's a, uh, that's a plus. It was some, it was some great spiritual guidance from our good friend, the rabbi. Let's shout all out the to the three. yeah. Shout out to the to the commenters. I'm sure there's half of them, you know, giving me no. the gears and the other agreeing with. I don't know, I don't know how many people are giving you gears today. I'm pretty much right there with you. Take it easy, dude. Thanks, guys. All right, good stuff with uh, our guy Jeff Hamilton. Hey, let's do uh, let's talk about something a little quickly, uh, a little nicer, and that of course is our Canadian women, Carrie Anderson of Gimli, out at the World Women's Championships, just keeping an eye on their game. They're in the sixth end right now, up 6-5 on the Scots with Hammer. Um, had a big, big win earlier today. Great game for the girls against uh, the Italians uh, after a tough loss to the Americans on the weekend. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors are curling from coast to coast and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can uh, find them in person, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or you can also check them out and shop 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Uh, last couple road games of the season, I'm actually, I think, going to be in Toronto doing the show at the Princess Auto Players Championship. So refreshing dealing with the curlers as opposed to maybe some of the other athletes we hear from and deal with on a regular basis. Really looking forward to that. And look forward to that on WST. Um, hey, a huge thanks to our great sponsors over at Culligan Water for their support over the years. Celebrating... Over 65 years in business as a locally owned company with everything you and your family need when it comes to water. Softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180 if you want to give them a call and check them out online at drinkculligan.com. Hey, gang, don't forget Canadian Club, our great sponsors, the official sponsors of the Bombers and Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Have a big flash sale coming up this weekend on CC Reserve, 12-year. Normally, 32 bucks on sale for 24 this weekend only, beginning on March 24th to the 26th at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And for you connoisseurs of whiskey, the uh, incredibly related, uh, uh, highly rated 41-year-old CC Chronicles 
has been re-released. They found a couple extra cases back at the uh, back at the uh, distillery. Less than a hundred bottles are made. Released on the weekend. If you needed to complete your collection, get to a Manitoba Liquor Mart right away. Huge thanks to our friends at Canadian Club for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. I do want to get to Nikolai Ehlers in a second. We do have to get to the cool bet lines, but let's get Remo back in here. Uh, Remo, I haven't been able to see the chat very much over the last little bit because of these excellent convos with the rabbi and the hammer, but... uh, Probably a pretty interesting day. Great numbers in the show all day today. And a shout out to everyone that's joined us. If you are new, make sure to hit that red subscribe button and join us for the all the big topics around Winnipeg sports and the sports world every day here on WST. Yeah, it feels good um, to talk it out here and get it out for these two hours because we're going to come in tomorrow feeling like the Jets have a great chance against the Arizona Coyotes. And we'll be looking at, hey, they're in. Still in a playoff spot, and they need this win to hang on. But today, in between games, when there's no media availability, we got to look back on the weekend. And I didn't. A lot of people loving it was a therapy Jeff's session co- today. Yeah, people love it. Someone said we should charge by the hour for these therapy <laughs> sessions. Show to Scardi. I did enjoy appreciate the comment who said it feels like we're watching the same TV show on repeat. And I joked with you before the show that. You know, look at looking at the video titles we did last year after the season. I can probably reuse a lot of the same ones this year. In fact, <laughs> you said that to me. Today. In fact, I have a clip here from Ken at uh, last season, and like you wouldn't know if it's this year or last year. Should I play this this yeah. clip? This is this Ken is from fun. last year, this and is I a new swear. WSD feature twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two. This is who the Jets have been this year. They've been a team that gives you a little bit of temptation and tease, and then they disappoint you, right? I mean, that has been their, you know, it's not intended to be that way for the Jets, but that's the way the season has gone. Every time you think they might be turning the corner, oh, no, no, this will be the time that they get to three in a row for the first time since January. They stub their toe with the self-inflicted wounds. That has been... The story of this Winnipeg Jets season. All right, so yeah, there's uh, there. <laughs> there's Kenny. I felt um, like that you could apply that to this year. Oh, you you absolutely could. Although it's just a little more. It was great, and that it wasn't the. Uh, it was a longer up and a longer down as opposed to the ups and downs that we've had over the course of the uh, of the last uh, last little bit. All right, listen. I know a couple of people. We will get to. Uh, yeah, I've got some takes on the James Reimer, <laughs> the James Reimer thing from the weekend. Oh, man. Um, but I, I do want to hear from Nikolai Ehlers. We talked a lot about him last night. And uh, let's just get to a couple of his comments because it was very strange to see him put it on the line against a way bigger and more experienced dude like Braden Shen. Um, but he spoke afterwards with a big welt on the side of his face. Um Ehlers, just go to the first one, just about him on the game. That uh, number five, if you were, just saying that uh, you know the Jets just weren't uh, weren't fast enough last night. Um, it was a uh, it was a mix of them and and us just not doing it. Um, it seemed like whenever we got the puck, we uh, we were going east, west, or or, or south. Um, we just weren't fast enough tonight, um, and that's something that we gotta get back to. 
All right, there's uh, Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, there's a bunch of things that they need to get back to, as we've discussed for the last little while. Um, but Ehlers throwing down with Shen. I thought showing, uh, you know, that 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 fight that we're looking for in more players. I mean, even though it didn't go well, here's what he had to say about dropping them with a pretty big, tough dude on St. Louis. You know, I, I hit him down in the corner. Um, he gave me a cross check. I came up, I, I slashed him. Um and you know when you're when you're fighting for a playoff spot like like we are and it's not going your way you 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 do anything you try anything so um didn't work out but yeah well and you know the sad thing about it didn't work out was he's not talking about it didn't work out in the fight i don't think anyone expected that Ehlers was going to beat the pants off braden shen but what I think he and certainly everyone that I knew watching the game was thought that the way that it could work out would maybe be inspire the rest of this team to be like, holy crap, Ehlers is out there fighting Shen. Let's get it going, guys. Let's, you know, and obviously that didn't happen. A big part of it is about the emotion that to me was really lacking last night. Rick Bonus has talked about it at times and it even went back to early on in the season when he talked about how quiet his bench was. Um, Ehlers tried to change that last night. Here's Ehlers on playing with emotion. I tried something. Uh, it's not that I love fighting, um, but like I said, right now you're you're doing anything to to get get going. All right, there's Nikolai Ehlers, and one more from Ehlers, and um, this is maybe the most frustrating for certainly people. Well, I would say the coaching staff, that's for sure, and that's just the general inconsistency um, of this hockey team. It's been like that for for a while, yeah, but, uh, you know, our last road trip, I thought we uh, we did really well, um, and the game that we lost was our best game. Um, last night, we... Uh, we showed some fight getting back into that game and, and getting that win. So we need to look ourselves in the mirror and, and figure out what we want. All right. So uh, there was uh, there was Ehlers last night, a little dejected, but appreciated him standing up, talking about the game last night and um, certainly about the way that he showed that he was willing to put it on the line even in a matchup where he was about a plus 1,200 underdog, to use a cool bet line analogy, up against a guy like Braden Shen. And I mean, as a couple of weeks ago, we were kind of ragging on Ehlers. He had a rough stretch where he wasn't scoring. Here's Ehlers in the last eight games. He's got eight points, three goals, five assists, had the beauty shot on Saturday. Monster and want, goal. And if you want to contrast that with, we've talked a lot about um, Kyle Connor, who's on a, you know, 20, he's got three goals in 23 games. You know, the same number of goals Ehlers has in his last eight, and Ehlers isn't getting power play one time over and over again. But you look at Connor and Shafley together in the last eight games, they have one more point than Nikolai Ehlers has. Ehlers, a plus one. Shafley and Connor, a combined minus 19. I know. Oh. I know plus minus isn't everything, but for one guy to be positive and the other two guys to be you know, minus 10 each or one minus well, nine. Minus, minus 10. doesn't look so bad when you're making all your points on the power play. Yeah. But when your power play is over forever. Yeah. And you're minus 19. Yeesh. Uh, it is uh, it is not good. Well, listen, we're going to have a lot to get to tomorrow as we uh, get ready for this game. Um 
I know I'm already seeing the Vimelka references in the chat. We'll we'll deal with that tomorrow. But um, hopefully the team can come back, utilize this uh, this day off to um, prepare themselves for a week that they absolutely have to get these results, at least in these first two games before a tougher afternoon game on Saturday against the Kings and then the Sharks and Red Wings with a little bit of extra rest between these games as well. Um, because as I said, you know, at the end of the season, the Jets have that game against Calgary, which will probably feel like a playoff game and may very well be one. But they finish up with road games against Minnesota and Colorado. Minnesota on the second end of back-to-backs after a home game against the Sharks in their final home game of the season. While the Calgary Flames finish with the Sharks, Nashville, Vancouver, Chicago, Anaheim, Vancouver outside of that game against the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, just being tight is not going to cut it for the Jets. They need to build this lead over the course of this week heading into these final games. All right, we will get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Um, But let's get to this other story. And again, you know, we talked about the Provorov issue when this first happened. And it's, I think for most people that follow, it's, it's disappointing that, you know, players are deciding now to not partake in these, I mean, not partake, not wear a warm-up jersey with rainbow numbers. I mean, to me, it is ridiculous. I mean, no matter how, and listen, I thought that the, the Provorov bit was, you know, he was citing his religious values. I, I'll be honest. I thought that was BS. Um, James Reimer, on the other hand, I know he is a very, very devout Christian coming from an incredibly religious town of um, very few people here in Manitoba. Um, and again, I'm not going to get into, you know, what Jesus said. I'm not a religious person, so um, I'll leave that to the scholars and your the, the priest at your local spot. All I'm saying is that this is literally the, the most minor gesture, if you even want to call it a gesture, to go along with something that teams are trying to do to welcome in new fans and show that they're more inclusive, something that this game hasn't been for a long, long time. So it's incredibly disappointing. And frankly, to me, like, as I said about the Perovarov thing, they're not getting him to dance on a float at the Pride Parade. It's a warm-up jersey. So that is disappointing in the end. The one thing I will say on the other side, though, is that as this gets more politicized and it's just sort of where we are in 2023, there are some people that expect everybody to think the exact same way. I hate to tell you, folks, um, if you're one of these people that are really, really mad about this, there's guys on every team that probably aren't too pleased with it. That's just the way that it is. Um, Mandating it like it is. To me, this comes down to courage from the teams as to how much they're actually going to stand behind this and how important these nights and these gestures are to them. Um, I mean, the way I see it is if this is something that's important to the team, you're doing this to try to welcome new fans and to make a statement. If guys don't want to be a part of it, I mean, you can't force them to do anything, but you can tell them these are our uniforms tonight. If you're not wearing them, you're not playing, and you're you know, they can suspend them quietly. But, I mean, I don't know why you would get paid for that game if you're make, taking it, your own stand and, and staying away from it. So, um it's just unfortunate now. This hasn't been an issue in recent years. I saw a James Reimer rainbow jersey auctioned off or someone that had bought it from a year before. So I don't know why all of a sudden he decided that now was the time he needed to take a stand. Um, but to me, 
uh, from the National Hockey League teams, if you're really in, go in, say these are important for us. These are initiatives of our team and our employees. And I don't think of it any different than this is the uniform we're wearing that day. Um, I think a lot of it is unnecessary, but I do think that um, hopefully some positives will come out of it. I like what Brian Burke had to say on it. I support these causes. Got a rainbow shirt that you know I've worn at times before. I'm not expecting everyone to feel the exact same way, but to me, this comes down to the teams and how they've handled it. And I don't know about you, Remus, but I think the NHL and some of the teams look pretty bad. I mean, the Sharks really went all in on this, um, and it was unfortunate that that sort of took away from it. But if you are going to do it, do it and let players know if you do this, there will be consequences. This is an initiative that we're behind. You're an employee of our team. To me, it's pretty simple. And I would imagine, I would hope that maybe that will be the way things work next year because this has been a bit of a mess with different teams shutting it down in advance and just sort of letting the inmates run the asylum, if you will. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with everything um, you said there, Huss. I know, you know San Jose, Bay Area, one of the more inclusive cities out there. So, you know, when I saw the statement, I was kind of, I was pretty disappointed. I will say that, you know, mainly because the actions, you know, sorry, the words he said don't match the actions um, of not wearing the jersey. So, and Brian Burke said that, you know, I'll read his quote. I repeat that I'm disappointed. I wish players would understand that the pride sweaters are about inclusion and welcoming everybody. A player wearing pride colors or tape isn't endorsing a set of values or enlisting in cause. He is saying uh, you are welcome here and you are in every single building. So that was Brian Burke. And we both said we agreed with him. So, and again, if, you know, James, what James Reimer said in a statement, he believes then he should probably have no problem putting on the jersey. But I will give a shout out to the Sharks who seem to put on who, you know, the spirit of pride night and welcomed a lot of different fans. And, uh, Marissa and Jamie, reporter for, for you know, at San Francisco Chronicle, profiled a number of fans who did take in the evening. So uh, we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, um, I don't know. I think kind of we're kind of losing what the message is here, focusing on guys who are not participating instead of focusing on some of the players uh, that are. Yeah, and you know what? That came out of the Philly thing too. Like while everyone was talking, us included, about Provorov being the guy that refused to do it and how it was handled. I mean, JVR and one of the other players were meeting people in the community after the game, were doing a bunch of things that I'd never heard of them doing before and were actually a real positive. And listen, I get it right now. I mean, there is so much of you know, this topic that you find through social media and I think a lot of uh, companies which are, this is what these national teams are, public companies feeling that they have to take a stand, and it is very divisive in some ways. And that is unfortunate, but I just keep going back to this. Hockey um, has had a lot of work to do with making it more inclusive, and you can call it the right thing to do. Guys, this is also a business. I mean, their their de- demographics are changing everywhere. I mean, these teams, and Winnipeg would be right at the top of the list, can't afford to have anybody in their market feel that well they wouldn't go to a game because they're not welcome or they don't you know they're you know it's not supportive and so i mean like you know we shouldn't have people going and hearing homophobic slurs on the ice or in the stands at those games i mean it should be a welcome place i don't care what people do on their own time certainly coming to a hockey game has no effect on me 
Um, but that's why these teams are doing it. And I really think that, and I know, I think it was, uh, was it uh, Harvey Manuk? What up, Harvey? Mentioned something about the PA. Um, this is something that the Players Association and the league are going to have to get together with behind closed doors and hash out because um, a lot of the positive of the things that they are doing is being lost by, you know, a couple random statements of guys that are kind of, standing on their hill and you know and doing something as i say or not agreeing to do something as simple as wear those jerseys um i'm sure if we had someone take a stand on the military night um you know there would be a lot of talk about it and it would be a big um you know it'd be, it'd be a big issue um but these are sort of supposed to be positive changes to welcome people into the game. I don't know why anyone would have a problem with it. I've never heard anyone that does. But the actions of a few of these players, I think, really take away from that. Um, and hopefully we can just go about it, um, welcome people into the building as everyone should be, and focus on hockey and um, not James Reimer's statement for the weekend or what Provorov did a little while ago. Or maybe even more disappointing, the Minnesota Wild and the New York Rangers as teams just not doing it. I mean, that I think was maybe worse than um, at least the Sharks and the Flyers went through with it and did the things that they as organizations had planned, even if a couple of their players took away from it. Um, the other teams that just canceled it last minute um, that's embarrassing for everybody involved, and they got to figure that out going forward. All right, we got to get to the cool bet lines. Although I do have to remind you all, folks, Little Brown Jug Sports Trivia, a week from Wednesday. The questions are coming together. The crew is coming together, but make sure you don't leave it to the last minute. Um, we sold this out last uh, time, and um, certainly have had a great response so far. Get on over to the link which is in the description of the video. Uh, let's see here. I'll just, and I'll throw it up in the chat as well. Here it is. Uh, as well as you can check our Instagram on the weekend, uh, as well as little brown jugs. Whoops, no, that's not it. Just say, look, uh, winnipegsportstalk.com slash links. The link is in the description of the video. Um, that's, those are probably the easiest ways to get it. We also have an event on our Facebook page, but if you want to throw it in the chat just for people, but it's in, if you just go and close the chat, it's in the description right there. Yeah. Nice and uh, nice and easy. I'm not sure if that one. Yeah. You know what? Just go into the description. I can. Yeah. You don't need to paste it, but uh, and if you're on the podcast, yeah. Winnipegsportstalk.com slash links. It'll be the first one there. Yeah. You can check her Twitter and Instagram as well. I put that out uh, as well. So that is going to be a week from Wednesday. No game day that day. Uh, it'll be, I guess, a couple days before uh, the Jets' home game against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, so anyways, get your tickets, get your crew. We'll see you there on the 29th. Get going at 7 o'clock p.m. down at Little Brown Jug in the exchange. And while we're there, we can try that new generic lager. They just launched your basic lager, just better impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and crisp finish. Now you can support local with having to move away from that domestic taste you may have come to expect with the light beer, certainly myself included. And hey, big shout out to Nick and Nikki. Got to give a big shout out to Nikki from, of course, the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Um, Nikki nominated for a female entrepreneur of the year. So uh, nice. Well done. Great to see things going so well. I'm sure partnering with Winnipeg Sports Talk was a big, big part of 
that nomination. I joke, of course, but we can't thank them enough. They've been with us since day one before we even had done one show. Four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Pop bound, grab a flamethrower burger, a blizzard. Let them know that your pals over at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Um, all right, tonight, Cool Bet Lines. Again, there is a new episode of The Lock Shop. We're wondering where we went last week. Dusty was away for a few days at Disneyland. He is back. But tonight, we have three, or sorry, five games in the NHL. Panthers, minus 196 favorites in Detroit. Panthers have been winning and scoring a lot of goals right now. Still in the mix to sneak into the playoffs uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Ottawa Senators this game is going to be fascinating Reem, to see what we get out of Pittsburgh they got absolutely embarrassed 6-0 by the Rangers on the weekend um, Ottawa obviously taking a little bit of a step back over the last couple weeks but Pittsburgh has to have this game tonight and we've talked a lot about responses from teams from players We'll see what the response from Pittsburgh is tonight as a minus 154 favorite. Avalanche hosting the Blackhawks. Chicago, a huge underdog, plus 305. Avalanche, minus 385. Sharks in Edmonton take on the Oilers. Oilers, a huge minus 338 favorite. And then the final game of the night, the game that Winnipeg fans, players, management, everyone will be paying attention to. Your favorite Remo, the 937 West Coast start at Crypto.com Arena between the Calgary Flames and the LA Kings. And this one is a straight up pick'em. Oh man, and the Kings, uh man, they, they've been pretty good lately. I think they're kind of going overlooked. I liked them last year. So Calgary, they had a nice uh sorry, they lost in overtime uh to Dallas, but they won against Vegas before and they've Kind of been on a decent stretch here. Uh, they're kind of, they're playing well. Their goalie's playing a lot better, and it took them a while to get to you know get it together after bringing in some new players, Kadri, Huberto. They really haven't fit in that well at all. And this is a big one here. It's in LA tonight. I think I know what I'm doing tonight. A lot of scoreboard watching uh, yeah. on the weekend. Saturday was a nice one. You know, I was hoping for Dallas in the overtime, and uh, I will be tuned into this game. Uh, this game tonight. Well, it's a huge one when it comes to the Western playoff race. Uh, and you look back at Calgary's last, what, seven games. Uh, they beat the Stars 5-4. They beat the Wild 1-0. They had that tough home loss to the Ducks. And then they bounced right back. Win against the Sens. Even when they've lost to the Coyotes and Stars, they've gotten a point and had that big 7-2 win over the Vegas Golden Knights. So, um, go Kings, go, I think, on behalf of the entire Jets nation in this game tonight. Uh, but that'll definitely be one to watch. Uh, we've also got, I know you've been watching the WBC. Man, it has been fun. Uh, Mexico, Japan, Reem, tonight. Japan, minus 270. Mexico, plus 220. Winner to take on USA in the final. All these games sold out. The atmosphere of these last few games has just been amazing. I'm really hoping. I guess a Mexico-USA final would be amazing too, but I'm hoping... For Japan, USA, let's get Otani on the bump in the game to win it all with that against that incredible lineup of the United States. A hell of a way for baseball fans to get ready for the upcoming season. Otani versus Mike Trout, and yeah, Trey Turner with the big grand slam on the weekend. This World Baseball Classic setting records for attendance, for ratings. I think it's been a massive success. Even if you had, you know, the Edwin Diaz injury, I see they're getting Super Bowl like ratings in Japan. 
for this World Baseball Classic. And, you know, seeing all the highlights of Team USA. Also, the best highlight was watching Ken Griffey Jr. go yard in batting practice with mm-hmm. all the players watching. Uh, that was pretty cool for me. But, um, it, you know, one thing I can't, couldn't help but think, seeing all this on social media interaction, views, attendance, just how much the NHL has missed out by not having an international best-on-best competition. They had the World Cup in 2016, but I think they, you know, putting in those gimmick teams and, you know, limiting how good Team USA could be, I think that really hurt the tournament by not having Team USA able to be the best. They had all their and best Canada. players. Yeah, well, Canada still won, but, you know, Team U, if you want to grow the game, like have let, they should have let USA have their top guys. I don't think anyone took the tournament seriously, and they haven't followed anything up since. You know, they've been arguing about money, and the pandemic obviously put a wrench into things, but... I mean, look at this. Look at how much, you know, enthusiasm there is globally for this. You know, seeing uh, Dominican and Venezuela, all the fans going nuts. Japan, um, they've missed out NHL on international best and best. Whole generation of fans haven't seen, you know, McDavid or McKinnon, uh, you know, suit up together. And I think it's just so makes it even more disappointing watching uh, WBC uh, do this right. So, and it also yeah, well, sucks. You know, Canada doesn't have a team. We're, we're missing a two. You know, all their best players. Have uh, have retired and they're not what they were in the early mid two thousands. Yeah, no. I listen. I knew you'd get a Remo rant in there on this. Yeah, it, it is so. You, you just hope that the PA and the National Hockey League and these people are paying attention to what is happening. Although at the same time, I'm sure they also saw Edwin Diaz lost for the season and realized there's inherent risk and there will be some injuries. But I think the benefits far outweigh the negatives of this. Um, yes. Anyways, we'll see that game tonight. Mexico and Japan. Uh, quickly before we roll, carrying the girls still up 8-5. Scotland with the hammer in the eighth end. So looking pretty good for Canada right now. Um, and of course, we'll get ready for this late game between the Shark or the Kings and Flames and talk about it tomorrow with you here on WST. Hoping, can't promise it, but we're hoping that Craig Button's going to join us. Uh, he had yeah. lots to say on the broadcast about uh, uh, about the Jets yesterday. Be great chance to get him in on the program and much more on tomorrow's game against the uh, Arizona Coyotes coming up. Um, hey, great stuff today, especially from you, Remo. Those curse clips and the uh, previous clips and the quotes yeah. from the Jan 17 episode. Um, <laughs> pretty, pretty hilarious. I mean, hey. Hey, they were in first place. They'd done it for three weeks, uh, three months. I mean, I was right there, right there with everyone. Oh, thinking I have your clip. Your, they, your clip saying, should I play it here? I'll play you this. You may as well. You may as I well. I tweeted sure. it out. Is this a freezing cold one? Oh, that one, yeah. Okay, uh, this is what you said, January 17, with the Jets on first place. We'll just play this, and we can Back wrap up the show. Back in a great headspace back then. If you're waiting for the bottom to fall out on this, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I'm not saying they're running the table and winning the Stanley Cup, but I don't know how we can look at this team now into the second half of the season and not respect what they've done and consider them a legitimate contender in the Central Division and the Western Conference. Ah, that wasn't as bad. That wasn't as bad as I as I as I thought as I thought it might have well, been. Well, the the bottom to fall out part. I mean, we haven't missed yeah. the playoffs yet. They're still in a playoff spot, so. Um... No, but the bottom has fallen out. I mean, there's a, a 100%. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here with 11 games left talking about, oh, my God, we got to watch this Calgary-LA game tonight at 930. 
to see what's happening and then freaking out about the teams that Calgary's playing in the last week of the season because we're hanging on to the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. That was two months ago. First place in the, not the division, the entire Western Conference. And now it is a race for eighth. Um, Listen, I am shocked, disappointed, but uh, hey, there's still a lot of hockey left to be played. We come back tomorrow with positive vibes for the game against the Coyotes. Yeah. Shout out to everyone that's been with us today. Great stuff from Libel and from Hammer. Uh, and of course, Remo and all of you for making us a part of your day. Hit that red subscribe button, folks. Tell a friend about WST and make sure to join us tomorrow as um, hopefully the positive blessings of the rabbi can start to manifest themselves into uh, a fun day on the program and a win tomorrow night, which the Winnipeg Jets absolutely need. Um, thanks again to the sponsors, all of you for making us a part of your day. Shout out to everyone listening on the pod. We'll catch you tomorrow, 1 p.m. right here on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.